Airbus.net Podcast Network. Screamcast episode 127. I am Sean DeRager, and with me is Brad Henderson. Yo! BJ Colangelo has assured us with little blue hearts via text message that she will be joining us as soon as she gets home. So we will be anxiously awaiting her to call in to the podcast. Anxiously. 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 Did I say that you're here, Brad? With me as always, Brad Henderson? Did I say that? You didn't say with always, but you said I'm here. Okay. All right. Well, we have a pretty uh, kick-ass show today. Uh, I think we're going to be going through what's on our doorstep. Uh, we're going to be you talking think? about uh, the new release from Kino. It's a post-apocalyptic flick called Striker um, that I think we should have a lot of fun talking about. We'll be talking about Silver Bullet in our Stream Screams segment, and they'll be talking about the movie Mr. Frost in our VHS Oh My God segment. So buckle up, everybody. Oh, shit. Follow us us on Twitter, Scream underscore cast, uh, and uh, tweet along as as you listen to the show. It's a lot of fun when you guys do that. You can find us as well on Facebook, facebook.com slash screamcast2014. Of course, you can find all our Social media links over at thescreamcast.com as well as uh, info on our sponsors and how to support the show if you want. With that said, though, let's jump into what's on our doorstep. Holy cow. I almost forgot. We'll get the door. (laughs) Oh, Dude, you should you should like edit that little part, and you could say that and just put that in through the episodes, like when something goes down. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll save that as a little. I, I'm like, like the I'm like the M- Michael Buffer of horror podcasts. <laughs> oh shit! That's good. You That's... need a fucking T. You need a TM that shit. All right, I'll, I'll get on that. All right. Well, uh, since as always, I you watch like five billion movies during a week, and I only, only watch thirty. Netflix, I am going to go ahead and go first. You go ahead, Sean. I watched a handful of movies. Um, I continued uh, continued through my post nuke series, the Code Red Blu-rays that were released uh, a while back. These are have all been films of um uh. Hold on, hold on, I'm getting there. My computer, I'm, my brain's working faster than my freaking computer. Uh, these are all movies directed by Serio H. Santiago, who of course directed the movie we'll be talking about today, Striker. Um, the first movie. Striker. So I've, so, so far, I have, god damn it, where the hell did my, uh. It's not a movie about Curtis Striker for Mortal Kombat. <laughs> no, it is not, unfortunately. 
Uh, the other movies I've watched so far, the other two I talked about last week were The Sisterhood and Equalizer 2000. Uh, I followed those up with uh, 1985's Wheels of Fire, which I think is my favorite of these movies so far. Uh, it was my favorite up till watching Striker. We'll talk. How about can you tell them apart? Uh, by well, the Sisterhood is about I, just, it was a joke about women. It was a joke. Uh, Equalizer 2000, big ass crazy gun, Wheels of Fire, <laughs> uh, great soundtrack. Uh, it was the soundtrack. Wow was by uh, the gentleman who scored Sinister. Uh, I'm trying to find his name right now. The soundtrack was, like, surprisingly, like, really damn good. Um, Here we go. Music by Christopher Young. Christopher Young. Yeah. Yep, so that was kind of what it set it apart. I mean, he scored Exorcism of Emily Rose, Drag Me to Hell, Sinister. Um... What else has he done? I mean, he's not like, you know, anything crazy, you know, but I mean, he's done a lot of really good stuff. And so, yeah, that's what set this movie apart, I think, was the, was the soundtrack. And, uh, I think, if I remember right, uh, Gary Watkins as Trace is the main guy was pretty badass. So, uh, also, one of the actresses, gosh, which one was it? The blonde? It was Laura Banks. Anyway, there's one actress that she, uh, basically spends most of the movie topless, but not Ooh. in like a fun way, in like a rapey sort of way. So it's a bit like, of an odd thing because she gets kidnapped oh, and Sean. it's all these movies, oh, you know. Yeah. So it's like not as cool because normally you're like, oh yeah, I've got some titties here, but it's like, oh, this is kind of rapey, and she had her shirt ripped off of her, and she just has never got her shirt put back on because of that. So it's not as cool. Wow. But uh, anyway, cool. Wheels of Fire, uh, a, a lot of fun. I All these movies, all the plots have, have run together. But this one uh, is yeah, right? a lot more like uh, like a Road Warrior type film because he drives like a badass car. And he's very, you know, ro- well, it's also about who maxes. controls the water, controls everything. Right, right, right. Yeah, there's something like what that. What the fuck does that remind he, you of? He basically has to rescue his sister from the bad guys who are conquering towns and tinking the water. So, but this one was really fun. A lot of good action sequences, uh, a lot of cool kind of post-apocalyptic cars and some great, it's got, uh, it's got uh, kind of a side story of like women empowerment too. Cause most of strikers like team is ladies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So this, like, yeah. Well, yeah, we're not talking, we're not talking striker yet, man. This is, this is wheels of fire, but it all kind of runs together. They're yeah. all the same movie, Sean. No, I know, I know. So, Wheels of Fire it's was... It's all uh, cars, guns, and dust. Yeah, yeah. This one has a pretty badass uh, uh, main character. Uh, his his sister is in it, and then uh, she's pretty badass, and uh, and everything. So, Wheels of Fire, a lot of fun for this type of thing. I mean, of course, it all gets repetitive. Uh, next up, I got my least favorite out of uh, these that I've watched, and it stars David Carradine. Like, how could that happen? Easy. This is from 1991. This is late David Carradine. He is operating on total cruise control. Um, he, of course, is like this samurai type, wandering samurai type figure in this post apocalyptic. Kung fu. Very kung fu. Um, and he meets up with this. Uh, woman and he kind of has to save the day from the bad guys that want the water this one was the weakest of all of them 
Um, you, can, you just you just gave the plot a striker. No, no, it's like it's all it's all the same. Uh, I think this one has uh, all the little people that are in Striker. He uses the same little people. Oh my god! In all these, there's movies. so there's so many little people in that, and they all have. Are like you talking about? Gibberish. Are you talking about Dune Warriors? Yeah, Dune Warriors. Oh, okay. You never actually mentioned the title of the movie. Yeah, by I did. The way. Didn't I? I don't think all you right. did. Well, this is Dune Warriors from 1991, starring David Carradine. I own Dune Warriors. I actually like Dune Warriors. And for me, it was the weakest of the ones that I saw. David Carradine, like I said, on cruise control. But even Dave, Dave, like David Carradine in I Don't Give a Fuck mode is still like fun to watch. So he just brings a whole different level to these movies. You can just tell he's been acting forever, and he's just kind of like, whatever, fuck it, let's just do this, you know. And he, it, you can tell like when he's kind of improving in a scene, like he'll pat someone on the back and he'll do something just, you know, not really necessary for the scene. But, uh, but yeah, he's he's just kind of doing his thing and getting his paycheck, doing his thing. But uh, but that, that was pretty fun to go through. Like these are all code red, uh, Blu-rays called it like the post nuke connect collections. Those Dune Warriors, Wheels of Fire, Equalizer two thousand, and the Sisterhood. So, um. All directed by Sirio Santiago. So uh, fun to kind of watch these, especially in preparation for Striker. Next up, I watched a film directed by the director of Doctor Strange. This is a 2014 horror movie called, uh, starring Eric Bana called Deliver Us from Evil. Directed by Scott Derrickson. Wow. I had been wanting to watch this for quite some time. I would bought it for like nine bucks at Best Buy the week that it came out. And it was okay. I liked Scott Derrickson doing horror movies, especially like religious horror movies. Um, I've never seen it. It's, uh, it's about a cop. Uh, it's very Seven, like the movie Seven where it's raining and dark all the time. He's like a night, night beat cop. Uh, who starts kind of stumbling across some weird crime scenes. Uh, one in particular is at a zoo and a woman like throws her boy into a, um, into a, a pit, like a lion pit. All right. BJ has just joined us. I'm invading. Oh my gosh. It's been so long. I know. I don't even know what's happened the last time. The last time I was on the show, we had a black president. So it's been a <laughs> while, guys. The last time. The last time you were on, things were things were looking pretty good. You know, we had the impending. I still had, you know, I still had hope for America. <laughs> I thought things were going to be awesome, and now everything's terrifying. <laughs> well, we'll we'll uh, you know we can be everyone's little light in the tunnel of of darkness. Uh, we were all started talking with Russian accents, just who fit in. Stop it! Stop just it! Just who fit in with the words? Stop of it! That, it's no? it's still racist, even if it's Stop white it. people. <laughs> Would you like it some vodka? Oh my uh, god! You like turned like like Russian Italian. Like you just offended two different cultures with yeah. your bad Sorry. <laughs> your bad impression. It's not a it's not a screamcast apparently. If I don't do a bad impersonation, apologize, Paul. That's the truth. That's the truth. Um. So, uh, BJ, I was just uh, talking about a couple of flicks that I've watched in our, the What's on Your Doorstep segment, and uh, fantastic. I will continue on, and then uh, we'll get to hear what you watch. Oh, perfect. 
All right. So uh, as I was saying, uh, 2014's Deliver Us From Evil is another flick that I watched starring Eric Bana. Um, he gets caught like investigating a bunch of weird shit going on during he's like a night cop. And um, of course, uh, this one uh, crime scene he stumbles across, a woman has thrown her kid into uh, the lion's pen at a zoo and they're investigating what happened. She's going batshit crazy. Uh, priest shows up, but although he's not wearing a collar, and somehow he knows he's a priest. Um, played by, I believe it's Edgar Ramirez. And, um, oh, Joe McHale is in this as the goofy, kind of goofy-ish sidekick. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to play a serious character, but I, I, I like him, so it's fun to see him. Um, anyway... Uh, so the priest shows up, lady's crazy, and Eric Bana basically is trying to investigate all the weird shit going on, why, you know, why she would do this, how it's connected to these other bad shit crazy things that he's, uh, stumbled across. And of course, uh, could be spiritual. And, um, it was pretty good. Like, like I said, I think Scott Derrickson, I, I like his religious horror slant. Um, all of his movies, his horror movies especially, have had kind of this, slant with religious horror which which i really like um and i think he's a solid horror director i but i I feel like he you know he i don't i'm hoping he doesn't get too caught up in the whole doctor strange stuff and the marvel things because i think he shines kind of back in the horror arena and i'd like to see more from him but i i liked it i thought it was okay i thought it was good it wasn't didn't blow me away or anything but uh it was it was a good kind of original take on kind of a possession you know, what could be just a standard possession flick. I like that it was crossed with this uh, investigation, these cops, and uh, and everything. So that was Deliver Us From Evil. Although they, uh, they're... Cool. The, the, the poster, <laughs> it says Deliver Us From Evil, but they keep the D right next to evil, so it looks like Deliver Us From Devil. That is true. I think that movie got kind of a bad rap and I think it was in large part to the marketing because that movie is less of like a spiritual horror movie and I think uh, it's more of a, a crime drama than anything. Yeah. And yeah. and everybody went in hoping that it was going to be, you know, Sinister 2.0 or <laughs> whatever movie he did that came before it. I don't remember chronological uh chronologically of his uh of his career, but I really enjoyed Deliver Us From Evil. I just think people went in expecting something else and I, therefore yeah. hated the film because it didn't meet the expectations they had made up in their mind. Well, I had no idea what to expect, and, and I liked that it went into more uh, of a police procedural. Like, I liked that about it. I thought it's what, you know, and it has its moments, you know, like exorcism-type moments, but um, but I kind of liked the mystery of it. It was, it was almost more of a mystery. Mm-hmm. Than anything. I agree with that completely. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yep. Um. All right. Hold on. I gotta. Hold on one second. I gotta cough. Oh my god. All right. Oh my god. <laughs> all right. So next up, I finally, finally, after owning this movie, I think for three years, I finally watched Stoker. Wow! It took you that long. Wait. Slow clap. Where you been? Exactly. I I don't know. Like I bought this and I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'd heard it's really. And I, it was almost because it was overhyped. I was like, well, everyone loves it. Everyone's tired. Blah blah blah. And 
it almost like made me not really want to watch it. And then I started it and I'm like, oh shit, this is going to be different from uh, anything that I've seen in a while because it's, um, it's Chan Wook Park, um, directing and like, just from the start of the film, like the way the camera moves, the way everything's framed, and then you get into the story and, you know, how every, how, the acting, and I was blown away by this film. I was like enraptured by the whole thing. Um, totally invested in the story. Uh, this girl named India, her father dies. Uh, a creepy uncle kind of shows up who's kind of maybe wanting to bang at her mom, played by Nicole Kidman. You don't really know. And the whole thing is from India's perspective, like how, like what's going on, and, and as she tries to unravel, like you know who this guy Charlie is and his intentions and everything. And it kind of sounds like from you know the synopsis that was just like you know it could be kind of boring or kind of one note, but uh, once things, you know, the way number one, the way it's filmed and how you find out about each, each character is it's not just people talking to each other. Like you find out. There's a scene where you find out that she's been receiving like the same pair of shoes basically her whole life for her birthday, and it's not done <laughs> through any dialogue. It's birthday. done through, huh? I just say a birthday. Um, and it's not done through dialogue. It's done through like a montage of like seeing like all these different size shoes kind of appear on her bed in a like in like a half circle or whatever, and like just stuff like that is just different. And and I really dug uh, imagery. Yeah, I, I dug the way that it was visual storytelling. And um Nicole Kidman is great in it as the, as this widower and Matthew Good as Uncle Charlie is just fantastic. And then I think the girl playing India, her name is Mia. Uh Mia Wasasowska. So Stoker really damn good. Uh I should not have sat on it for so long. End of story. Well, and then the soundtrack you, by Emily, you fixed that. Emily Wells. Oh, the soundtrack's fantastic. Yeah, Emily Wells is one of my favorites, and she, oh god, that that soundtrack's amazing. Everything, everything's great about it. It's 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 one of my favorite movies now. Uh, it's in my top, totally top twenty, probably for sure. Whoa, whoa, nice. whoa, whoa, whoa! You've yeah. only seen it nice. one time. Oh, I want, and make, I can't wait to watch it again. Can't make All right. Statement. Next up, I watched <laughs> a uh, a movie called The East. Uh, it's got, I would call it, it's a liberal thriller. Oh my God. Uh, you just fucking put me to sleep already. No, it's about my this, eyes uh, just got really big. Cause I have no idea what that means. The East. <laughs> I know. I think I know what you're talking the about. East, uh, so this operative for like this, um, she's like an operative for like big corporations to kind of go in and, and try to, um, investigate and stop these little like, eco-terror type group. So there's this group called the East that's doing these, uh, goes all across the, the, the U S and everything. and tries to mess with big corporations. Like they would, uh, you know, kind of like what Greenpeace did when they did the whole resist banner behind the white house, like stuff mm-hmm. like that. But they kind of go a little deeper. And, um, and one of the, one of the capers they want to do is basically poison, uh, pharmaceutical CEOs with their own, uh, met their own medicine, the antibiotic that's causing like problems with kids. So stuff like that. So Brit. So Marley, to literally give them a taste of their own medicine. <laughs> literally. So it's, is this God, a heavy literally. kind of liberal thriller? 
I would say. Literally. So uh, if you're a conservative person, Republican, you might be like, oh, my God. You know, you might uh, maybe get a little ups- upset at it. I don't know. It stars or Burling, uh, It stars Ellen Page and Alexander Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Wow. Uh, and Britt Marling is the operative. She has to go in and infiltrate infiltrate this hippie group. Uh, oh, this is the this is the director of uh, Sound of My Voice. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Now. So she goes in, and uh, maybe she gets in a little too deep. Oh shit! Oh man! Uh, I always like getting did. a little deep. Yeah, I like oh, it man. deep now, Sean. Now you're in my territory. She gets balls deep with Alexander <laughs> Skarsgård, if you know what I'm saying. Well, you're totally not talking. You just might as well move on. You're not talking <laughs> to anybody that's watching this. <laughs> like, you just bored me half to fucking death. We're supposed to be spending a minute on it's, a movie, uh, it, and you're spending five minutes well, you got, you explaining about a movie me. that no one wants to watch. Keep it me. No, it's. I think it's pretty good. I like, you know, I like all the actors in it. It gets a bit hippy-dippy. Uh, halfway when they're in this little commune and they all have to like play this game where they touch each other's face and hold each other and just sit and stare at each other's eyes and bleh. Uh, but once wow. it gets past that, it's a, uh, it gets, it gets pretty good, totally, pretty good thriller. You're totally not talking to anybody into watching this. It's yeah, okay. It's you, okay. You had me with Ellen Page and then you lost me with Balls Deep, Alexander Scarf. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So that's the East. Uh, it's okay. Uh, next up, I watched Force <laughs> Five, and I've never seen Force Five. But Force Five is like the best thing I've ever seen in my life. If you've never seen it, watch it. How's that for so a the best the <laughs> best thing you've that's ever perfect. seen in your life? Fifteen seconds. The East. Ten minutes. Because <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm gonna gonna spend the Force next, Five is the I'm 19, gonna spend, 1981 I know flick. what Force 5 is. Martial yeah. arts expert leads a team of fellow martial arts artists to rescue a senator's daughter from an island ruled by the evil leader of a fanatical religious cult. Fantastic. Uh, see it. Next up, I watched a documentary called The Killing of America. This is out on Severin right now, and I think this is probably like one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. On the subject um, of like murder and and what it what it takes to be a murderer and, and it's, it's like an evaluation of basically this was filmed in 1981 so from between like 1977 and or even the late 60s through 81 it just catalogs a few high profile murders and assassinations they talk about JFK they talk about the attempted assassination on Ronald Reagan um, they interview in depth. Um, a serial killer who went around and and would just kill young women, and he was still in jail. Is super smart, had like a hundred forty five IQ. I forget the guy's name. Um, Ted big, Bundy. No, well, Ted Bundy. They talk about Ted Bundy. They talk about all the all that stuff. It's uh, super graphic, and it's um, incredible that it's never got a release in the U.S. Because I think, like, as a subject matter, like, I mean, this is something that everyone should see. You know, and I I wonder if this actually was a hit or or widely seen in nineteen eighties in the nineteen eighty in nineteen eighty one and on, like what public policy could have been influenced by it, or at least people's perceptions, because it's 
I couldn't take my eyes off it. Uh, my jaw was on the ground the entire time. I thought it would be too graphic for me because real stuff, I always kind of get a bit squeamish. Um, but the way they presented it, it wasn't um, ex- exploitative. It was done in the sense of like kind of urgency and like education and it's really, 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 really good. I would uh, encourage anyone who's interested in real kind of real crime documentaries or just want to educate yourself about like these subjects. It's um, it's very well done and very good. And it's almost like even more poignant today because all this shit's still going on. It's like all the stuff that they're talking about in this documentary, <clears throat> all the policy and like gun gun control and everything that they're talking about. Like we're still trying to figure all that out today. Like exactly. And, you know, penitentiaries and prisons being full and, and all this stuff. So it was really well done. Um, there, I guess there's a Japanese cut as well. I didn't watch that, but apparently the only difference is they changed the beginning because it starts off pretty hardcore and the Japanese audience, they wanted to kind of ease people into because they, uh, they, with their own perceptions of what America is, kind of this great country, peaceful and everything. And then they kind of hit them over the head with kind of the reality. So, um, it's out right now on Blu-ray by Severin, and it's really good. Next up, finally, I w- finally watched the movie Enemy, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal? Gyllenhaal? Um, Gyllenhaal. Jesus. He is... Every time I see him in something, he be, he's becoming more and more like a favorite actor of mine. This, mov- this movie is a pretty crazy uh, what-the-fuck, especially the ending, but... All the way through, um, it's pretty damn good. It's about a guy, just this mild-mannered uh, teacher guy, teacher or professor, somehow stumbles across in a movie his uh, someone who looks exactly like him, and he tries to track that guy down. They meet, uh, weirdness ensues, and it's pretty damn good. End of story. Uh, uh, everyone's probably seen it by now, but... I finally watched it and I was, I, I liked it. I didn't love it, but it's, uh, it's weird. It gets weird and the ending is like even weirder. But I love the Gyllenhaal. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> love him so much you couldn't read his own name. Yeah, I, you know, I always mispronounce his last name. That's okay. Like I always do. I, every time I'm like, I'm going to say it right this time, I'll botch it up. So. <laughs> Anyway, that's it. That's my what's under doorstep. Uh, BJ? Sure. Um, so I'll keep mine quick since I've been gone for so long. I don't know, you know, what all everyone's seen and talked about, <laughs> but, uh, I did do some revisiting of some stuff. I hosted a double feature of, uh, I'm going to see, I'm going to test Brad because if he can figure this out, I'll be really excited. Uh, it was a double feature of <laughs> movies where, the killer would kill somebody and then put them in water. And there's also a mentally handicapped red herring. Can you figure out what, what two oh, movies? <laughs> no, I did, wait, I did. a. So water. So the killer would kill somebody and then put the victim in water. And there's a mentally handicapped red herring. Nice school. That's one of them. <laughs> Can you figure out the other one? Uh, <laughs> Majoress? Yes, you oh, got it. Uh, <laughs> holy shit. This is this is why Brad and I are friends. But yes, I did 
I did host the double feature of that, and uh, I got to show both of those films. Well, Night School is uh, easy. It's like one of my favorite movies ever. Right. Majorettes I haven't what, seen again, in a while, but yeah. Again, that's why like Drunk. why we're friends is because Night School is my favorite slasher of all time. Um, yeah. So, so we uh, we did that double feature, and uh, I got to show it to a bunch of people that had never seen it before, and they were just in shock at like how kind of insane both of those movies are because the majorettes obviously i was a baton twirler for 20 plus years it's always going to be something i love but that's a movie that starts off one way and then takes a hard left and goes into a completely different direction and then goes into another completely different direction it's all over the place but it's still fun it's not a great movie but i have a lot of nostalgia love for it so i'll always love it uh night school again you know one of my favorites of all time. So uh, I, I've talked about that movie plenty of times on here, so I won't bore you with that again. Uh, so I watched that. Um, we recently finally got our VCR to work with the new smart TV. So we uh, checked out a little film called Nine and a Half Ninjas. And uh, whew, wow, is that a is that a movie? Um, have you seen Nine and a Half Ninjas, Brad? It sounds familiar. Um, is it the is it the Filipino movie? No, it is American, but it is like a it's a parody movie that's not trying to be a parody movie. <laughs> uh, well, no, I don't no, think I've seen that. I'm lying. It's it's definitely trying to be a parody movie, but it's it's um I honestly I need to just read the back of it and then I'll just leave it at that because it is insanity. <clears throat> Can an uptight martial artist remain sane and single when he takes on a sexy relationship-minded discipline? Or will her push to book uh, to hook up be enough to unhinge this ninja? As a noble warrior, it's Joe Vogue's duty to fight off villains like the ones pursuing luscious Lisa Thorne. But ever since becoming her protector and mentor, he's had to fight off her he's had to fight her off as well. Lisa is bound and determined to be his live-in love, and although Joe is weary of getting tied down. He's getting turned on by the idea of becoming her ninja master. Mm. The only problem is if he doesn't turn his attention from his assistant to the hoods on their heels, they'll both be learning the meaning of a discipline. Assassin style. <laughs> yeah, it is a um sexy ninja comedy. That's all I know what you're talking about now, but I've never seen it. I know what you're talking oh, about. My God, if you have had approximately 72 beers and <laughs> three bowls, you mm. will love this movie because it. Okay, well, um, definitely one that I'm going to be showing at parties until the day I die because it's it's that <laughs> kind of movie. It's just it's too unbelievable to to try to explain it. You just have to watch it. Um, so I've watched that. Uh, I did a rewatch of American Psycho yesterday. My wonderful boyfriend, Zach, took me to a Valentine's, uh, themed dinner that was American Psycho themed. So you had like an option was like this garlic martini or uh, a four loco because it's a uh, crazy red and hip to be square. Um, all of the meals were like with like blood wine and like really fancy and, um, you know, Dorcia style. And then we had uh, everyone over to watch American Psycho, which is it, it's it it's perfect. Like that movie, no matter how many times I've seen it, I 
still find new ways to love it. All of the iconic moments still hit no matter how much time has passed. I mean, I, no matter how many times I've seen it, it's just a wonderful, wonderful film. Um, so we did that one. And then uh, I've recently been watching a lot of horror television. So I binge watched the entirety of the Santa Clarita diet in one sitting oh, and nice. liked it. I liked it way more than I thought I was going to. I tried, I tried does... watching that with my wife and, uh, as soon as she vomits in the house, my wife like almost threw up and made me turn it off. <laughs> See, that's like the grossest thing that happens. So get her past that. I think she'll really enjoy it. Uh, um, especially, you know, realtor. Um, oh, no. I, I really, really liked it. It took about an episode or two for me to really get hooked on it. But the daughter character is phenomenal. Um, I didn't think that I was going to like Timothy Oliphant as a a comedic actor like this but i think that his sense of comedic timing is really charming and interesting because it's very different um and then of course drew barrymore is drew barrymore so i really i've really liked the show um you know binged through all of that um and then i also binged all of the exorcist tv show which i also didn't think i was going to like and i went in fully intending to hate it and didn't hate it at all uh it is surprisingly strong in my opinion um i will watch anything gina davis does because i think she's a perfect human um there's a lot of things that could be better i mean it's it's a television show and it's a first season so they probably don't have as much money um as they deserve so there is some cgi issues at times a lot of it is practical but Unfortunately, the stuff that is CGI is painfully obvious. Um, it's set in Chicago, which obviously I'm going to be a big fan of that. Um, but it takes like this really interesting kind of like side story. And that's, that's where I'm more invested. I mean, obviously it's the exorcist, old priest, young priest, girl is possessed. We know that story. We know where that goes. That's fine. But they take this weird like beeline that I'm hoping becomes the main focus of the series if it continues, um, where it's this idea about is evil attracted to a location or are we just like so shitty as people that evil like comes to us because of who we are. And it focuses on like the crime in Chicago. And it's like, is Chicago a dangerous place to live because evil has always been there or it is, is because crime's at 50 percent. It's, it's really bad. 50%, 50% <laughs> of the people of Chicago are dying by murder. 80% of us are all murdered. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it does take this really interesting parallel of like, is there crime in Chicago because evil was bred there and it's always been there, a la Candyman? Um, or is evil coming to Chicago because it is so violent, so now evil is attracted to it? And I think that's a really interesting thing i like i love that sort of play where it's not just like oh well there's catholics therefore demons where it, it's taking a, a broader approach to the concept of good and evil and i think that's really interesting so i'm hoping that they do renew the show because i would love to see them dive further into that considering the a story of old priest young priest young girl being possessed that story has played itself through. Mm -hmm. So now the only way to go is to focus on kind of this abstract idea of evil. 
So I'm hoping that that that's what happens. Um, and then, yeah, I've done, you know, other random rewatches, you know, green room, um, just things that make me happy, but I'm not going to talk about that. Green room makes you happy. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, it makes me happy too, but in the sickest way possible. I just really, really love making Blair and I just want to watch him do everything forever. So, um, I did have like, I hate it when I watch a movie and then like I tweet about it and then it like sort of goes viral and then like people start asking me about it and Green Room was one of them because I said like if there's, if there's anything going on in the world right now, Green Room has already taught us how to deal with neo-Nazis. <laughs> and then I like hashtagged it, spare making Blair. And then all these people were like, oh my god, Megan Blair's the best. He can make a Nazi be redeemable. And I'm like, it's because he's perfect. <laughs> but now, like, every once in a while, I'll get, like, a random tweet from somebody that's like, yeah, Megan Blair's the best. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. He is. He really is. So then I've just been, like, on a Megan Blair kick for the last, like, three weeks. Just like, I'm going to watch Blue Ruin today. And then I'm going to watch Murder Party. <laughs> so that's 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 been me all since right. I've been gone. Brad, you still alive? I get to see, you right? Yeah, I get, I get to see his uh, new movie that he wrote, and then Pat Healy's in. Oh, yeah, I that's going to be insane. So bad. Oh, I know what I didn't get to talk about. Oh my god, I'm sorry for interrupting because it was the thing I was excited to talk about, and then <laughs> everyone in my life died, and oh. I haven't been on the show. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I have avoided listening listening to the show because it just makes me sad, and that's how I deal with a. Uh, conflict is i just, just avoid, avoid it and yeah, pretend it's, it's not that's not probably happening. best no we um, we, we but... just said you're not you know we let you uh you you can tell everyone what's been going on that's, that's not our place yeah i'll tell you um yeah i'll tell i'll tell you guys so i've been gone because uh every week in 2017 so far um i've had someone die like a family member or a friend or uh a friend's child um it's just been a lot of death and doom and gloom and the last thing i wanted to do is be like hey i watched this movie that's about (laughs) death and doom and gloom so i've been you know a sane person and totally stable lately uh but my favorite movie of last year like my favorite find because i don't want to do my top five my favorite 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 find was teenage cocktail and i'm glad you said pat healy because that popped it into my brain uh, if you want to see a movie that personifies everything that I love about cinema, everything that I love about acting, everything that I love about writing, everything I love about scoring a movie, Teenage Cocktail. Like, if you took my brain and put it in a blender and then spilled it on a film reel, Teenage Cocktail is what would have come out of it. Wow. I fucking loved this movie so much. And I knew that I was going to, like, for the last, like, year and a half. I've just been like tweeting at Travis Stevens, like, who do I have to give a reach around to see Teenage Cocktail? Like, I just want to see this movie so bad, just based off of the poster, the image, like the stills they're releasing. I knew, like, I just knew, like, this is a movie that's going to, like, just resonate with me on so many levels. And it did, because it is, it is so weirdly close to things that have happened in my life. Like, I've talked about the fact that I, like, used to do cam grilling. Like, that's not a secret. So that's a major part of this, of this movie and like watching just kind of that like blatant ignorance you have when you're young and you're just trying to get money and you're just trying to get out of your hometown and do something with your life. And like, this is the quickest, cheapest, fastest way to get that accomplished. And like these poor girls, like don't realize like how fucking dangerous that world is. And then you don't realize like how many crazy people are out there and like Pat Healy, like 
he is just a god among men and we need to give him every award and every job and everything because he's so talented like if pat healy and macon blair did like a two-man movie together that it was like just them in a room like oh my god that's just my dream but yeah teenage cocktail favorite movie of last year like easily in my top 20 of all time i fucking loved it and And both of you are throwing out movies in your top 20 like it's nothing and that's the thing i've watched (laughs) the movie four times in the last year and it's like i just think that it is i'll give give it to you i'll give it to you oh my god and like i know that it's a movie that like not everyone's gonna get like some people are gonna watch this and go why the fuck are you hyping this movie up like that that was boring. That was stupid. I don't like it. And you know what? That's fine. You're entitled to that. I'm also entitled to be like so effortlessly in love with this movie. And like all I want is to own it, but I know Netflix has it. So I don't know if I'm ever going to get to own it, which sucks. And I want like a poster of it and I want to like tattoo it on my face. Like, oh God, I love this don't, movie. Don't I love it. Tattoo on right. face. We'll, have to, we'll have to hit up Travis <laughs> Stevens and, and ask, ask when that blew. Oh God, Travis! Really, yeah. hit us up. When, when's when's the Blu-ray coming? I Come just, on, I want it. Forever. Can you at least get one made for BJ, please? <laughs> I just just get one. Just burn me, <laughs> burn me, burn me a mixtape that's just teenage cocktail. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, All right. that that's it. Nice. Yeah, I really want to see it too. Yeah, it's on Netflix, and uh, I've been meaning to watch it, so I'll get around to it at some point. It's really good. Yeah. I, oh God, I love that movie. I'm like hyperventilating. It's slow sleeping. How much I love that movie. Oh, it's perfect. Um, it's so perfect. Anyway, what'd right, you Brian, watch, Brad? What you got? All right. I dropped my ball. God damn it. All right. Are we recording? Yeah. All right, so... Are we recording? Uh, I can actually... Shut up. I can talk about this movie now. We actually received this as a submission for the Florida Film Festival. I am programming the Florida Film Festival. I'm just going to talk about this because this is not going to get programmed because it is streaming on Shutter. So, filmmakers... Do not submit your film if it's streaming <laughs> because there's no point. <laughs> um, it's called Therapy. It's a found footage uh, movie. Um, it's been streaming on Shutter for a while, apparently. It's a Shutter exclusive. Um, so I checked this out, and yeah, it's um, – it's okay, except here, here's my main beef with the movie, is that the killer, they, it looks like they took a Michael Myers mask and cut out just like the face part, you know, left the hair and the backing and just wore the face because the whole t- and the guy wears a fucking jumpsuit and the whole t- every time he shows up, I'm like, oh shit. It's fucking Michael, you know, but it's not. And it does try to do a new spin with storylines and something crazy, but it just ends up being really generic and just really slow. Um, you know, one of the vic- one of the girls that's running around is like 15 and she has like this fucking huge GoPro camera on her forehead. Bitch, if I am running like, there's got to be at least <laughs> some kind of, like, thought process of just saying, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to wear this on my fucking forehead. Like, and, and the worst part... That would be, like, three minutes in. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that 
it, it, it takes place at night. And this is the one thing that bugged me the most is it takes place at night. They're actually at this old insane asylum that is now shut down and this killer stalking halls. Uh, he basically traps them inside on, you know, he boards up the first floor so they actually can't get out. You know, they'd have to jump down from the windows. Uh, he's got all the stairs boarded up. So they're trapped, which I enjoyed, but everybody has this huge fucking light on their camera and it's pitch dark. It's, it's, and they're walking around with their cameras and then like, they're like, Oh, he's coming. Turn your light off. So they turn the light off and then like they put it on night vision and he comes in the room. And then as soon as he leaves, they turn the light back on. And I'm like, all right, this is just too fucking stupid. Like I can, I can believe certain things. I can believe you holding a camera for fucking two hours and running around. Sure. I can let that go, but I can't let that fucking shit go. Just like, just stupidity as far as like a filmmaking process. Like, Obviously, your killer is going to see the fucking light, you dim shit. You know? Fucking. Anyways, the movie pissed me off because just, like, if it just, if it had the story and had, like, the characters and all that shit just went normal, that would be fine. But there was too many just, like, fuck ups as having lights on right in front of the killer. Then, like, it's like fucking a throw in a blanket over a cage on a fucking bird or something. Like, the killer's like, oh, there's no more light. I can't go in that room because they're obviously not there. And he fucking turns around. Like he's walking up to them and they turn off the light and then he turns around like it's not a big deal. I just don't understand. Anyways, it, I, I didn't like it. Um, Shutter exclusive. So I got around to watching to the theater. Oh boy. Um, went to go see Rings before it's pulled out of theaters because it did terrible. Um, and the reason why it did terrible is because it's pretty fucking bad. Um, I was hoping you were going to say the reason it did so terrible is because it's so terrible. <laughs> um, oh. So it, it, it really is. It, it's it, it was kind of upsetting because I'm a huge fan of the series. Like, you know, the, the Japanese TV show that they had. They had, you know, fucking like 16 different Japanese ring films made for TV to the theatrical stuff. You know, they had this... Uh, Sadako series, and they have Sadako versus Keiko on Shutter Exclusive, which I recommend. That movie's a lot of fun. Um, but I was really hoping for something big, even because I remember, like, this shit was supposed to be released like last year in October, and then got pushed back to like fucking you know December, and then got pushed back again until February. And it's like, man, what a fucking nightmare. When movies do that, they're usually not good because that means the producer's probably not happy and wants you to edit the shit out of it. Uh-huh. This movie starts out <clears throat> like the worst made-for-TV horror movie in 1998. Oof. I am not exaggerating. Sometimes I exaggerate when telling a plot like therapy or something like that. I'm going to give you exactly the first three minutes of rings. This guy's leg is shaking on a plane. And the girl next to him says, hey, if you talk, conversations make this easier. He turns around and goes, oh, yeah? Why well, watch this tape? And in seven days, I'm going to die. Today's the seventh day. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? 
Like that's the first time <laughs> that you say. So the guy like gets really nervous and gets up and then her friend sits down and goes, oh, who's the hot guy? She's like, a hot guy? Talk about a psycho. So he watched this tape and then she grabs her arm and says, oh, my God, I saw that tape. And I'm like, is this for fucking real? Like, are we watching are the characters in rings watching a movie about the ring or something? Because this is like info dump, like of all the idiots have not seen rings going in and need info dump real quick. That's literally and is it all VHS or is it online? I feel like they have the, everyone's well, missed no. the point of like this thing ended they up on of, YouTube and mass people are dying. Like they missed the point. They, well, they they, missed... they ripped they ripped off in Sadako. That's kind of the yeah. uh, route that it goes in gotcha. Japanese. Like 2012, it goes into the internet and stuff. But I shit you not, that scene on the plane that you see all the ring things pop up. That actually happens in the first three minutes, so no spoilers. The next sequence, like right after that, is uh, Jimmy Galecki. What is his name? Galecki? I like that kid, but he's terrible at this. Um, he's standing there looking at a VCR with this girl, and she goes, oh, talk about a dead format. He's like, yeah, dead format. Apparently the guy that owned this VCR died in a plane two years ago. And it's like, oh my fucking god! What are you like? I, it was like the worst. Why would writing. you have that much? Why would you have that information about somebody who owned your fucking VCR? Like maybe <laughs> your apartment, but not your no, VCR. It's insane. it's insane. Like all that happens. I am not kidding. Within like five, in the first five minutes of the film, all that shit goes on, and I'm sitting there like I'm getting a fucking migraine because I can't believe this is actually happening. Wow. But anyways, it's really fucking bad. Um, it's not good. Uh, I The time that you do see Samara, I mean, she's great in the one minute she's in it. Um, but, like, it's not even fucking a ring movie because you don't even ever see her. Like, it's ridiculous. It's it's In the times that you do see her, it's not a fucking actress. It's fucking computer shit. It's like, how hard is it to fucking put a white dress on a girl with a fucking black wig? Like, give me a break. Spray it down with a hose. That's Samara. It's not that hard. But, oh my Spray god. Spray it dude. down with a hose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how easy it is. Like, the filmmakers, obviously, the filmmakers of the Singers podcast are like, fuck! We paid, like, 30 grand for that fucking CGI. We just watered her down with a hose. It would have been fine. Um, I mean, to be fair, those stage parents are awful. And uh, getting a kid. Ugh, maybe. This is why uh, I don't produce movies. <laughs> so, all right. So moving on to better shit. Um, Wild Eye. I'm a huge fan of Wild Eye. Uh, they put out this Christmas horror film called Secret Santa. It was funny because about a, two weeks before this actually came out, Ryan Turek tweeted, why isn't there a horror film called Secret Santa? And like two days after that, I saw this and I was like, holy shit, there's a movie called Secret Santa. Dude, maybe they Secret changed Santa. it like since that tweet. Like maybe it was going to be called something else. Dude, Secret Santa's fucking fun. I'm going to just say, I like Wild Eye. I like their shit. Um, this is very like homage and fucking, you know, throwback. Uh, it's got, you know, a synth score. Um, basically, all these people are at a party. They each get a package with a weird weapon of sorts and that's the weapon that they die from um 
and it's just it's just silly. Um, it's really gory. It's uh, it's very funny at times. It's it's um, it has that '80s style charm of uh, very much like um, any of you ever see Splatter University? No. Okay. No. Cool. Um, <laughs> well, it has kind of that com- comedic route that Splatter University has. Um, but very good. Next up is, uh, I've always wanted to see this movie. Um, I can't say why I want to see this movie because it gives away what the movie is. So hopefully everybody has seen it. It's a made for TV movie. It came out, uh, in the seventies. Um, it's called bad Ronald. Um, bad Ronald is about this kind of misfit kid who, uh, um, commits murder on a young girl, um, kind of an accident. But his mom knows that he's going to be put away, so she uh, protects him. She, they, kind of, he is good with tools and uh, carpentry and shit like that. So they build a room for him in their house uh, for him to stay. Uh, so that way, she, he doesn't have to go to jail. He doesn't have to run away. Um, he's going to stay in there for a few months until everything kind of dies down and then they're going to move away together. Uh, so they build this room. He stays in it. Something happens, of course, uh, and he's stuck in that room. Um, it's very creepy. It's, uh, the thing about might be a little before it's time. Like if this thing came out in the eighties, I think it would have hit really hard, but it's still really, really fucking good. Um, next up was, uh, Full Moon's Head of the Family. This is a rewatch for me. I don't know why I rewatched it. Um, I'm not a fan of a lot of Full Moon movies. It's a big head that tells people what to do. That's it. Um, I, I mean, I think if people like Full Moon, I, I think they remember these movies and they enjoy them. There is kind of, it almost feels, I want to see if BJ agrees with me. A lot of these Charles Band production movies feel like they're made like by carnies. Like there's this circus aspect to it. It feels like like everything. I don't know if it's the music that they have in the movie, but it it reminds me of like watching a movie like at a circus. I don't know what if that makes any sense to anybody. But if if that makes any sense to anybody, it's like, oh, yeah, I feel like I'm at a circus watching a full moon movie. But it just feels like very cartoonish in 90s and like that, uh, like a, the organ that plays at fucking circuses. You know, that fucking da, 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 <laughs> like that. That's what it feels like while watching. That's the fucking soundtrack to every Charles Band movie. I think um, that I think that like the Charles Band movies um, to me always felt like they had the spirit of trauma without being like quite so white trash. Like, yeah, I don't know I mean, how else to describe that. I guess like, it it's more or less a that, fantasy like, aspect. Yeah. It's like, it's you know? super wackadoo and like they're all of the stories have like these really weird ideas, but they still somehow sort of fit. Like, um, like when you were just talking about like all the, like, is it, Head of the family, all the family. Head, head of the called. Head of the. Thank family. you, head of the family. Um, because we have that one, and that's one that like we got based off of, like box cover art. Like I think to me, like Full Moon always felt like we have this great image or this great concept or this great title, 
let's make a movie around it. Like, that's what I think it is, is like, without that weird image of like the fucking head guy, like why, like what else are you going to do with that? Like that's, that's a character design that you came up with because it's weird. And then you made a movie around it. And there's a lot of soft core porn in it too. Like it's very bizarre. <laughs> and because I think the two of the, the two of the main actresses in the movie are porn stars. I think real that that's like I think that that's like pretty par for the course with yeah. a lot of his movies though. Yeah, like, I guess he, he likes Frost to hire that. Fucks, yeah. Like Jack Frost is a snowman that like fucks you in a shower. Like <laughs> <laughs> less yeah. we forget. Non consensually as well. This Apparently. is true. He's he's a sno- he's a rapey snowman. <laughs> but there's like fucking like six scenes in Head of the Family, uh, six sex scenes. It's I'm not complaining because the girl that's in she's she's a beautiful girl. But it's just I don't know. It's a very too cartoonish, circusy, um, fantasy level for me that I don't like. Very much like Meridian uh, that he also did. Um, next up is another Wild Eye uh, title. Um, I really like this. I'm not sure why this didn't play at Fest in big time. This is like really, really. I'm not. Wild Eye really focuses on like really lower budget, um, you know, kind of crazy, not your normal shit. You know, they, they get this other side of cinema, a really wild B wave of cinema. Um, they have this documentary, uh, The Search of Wing Wing. Wing Wing was an actor uh, from, from the Philippines for um, played in a lot of spy movies and shit like that. You know, he's like not even three feet tall. He plays this James Bond type character. He played uh, I think it's like Agent 00 he plays in a few movies. Well, they made this documentary and I didn't know this about him. Like, no one knew his fucking real name. No one knew where he died, how he died, when he died, where he was born, who his parents were, did he have a family? Like, Wing Wing just kind of came out there. And a lot of people, like, that wasn't working in the Philippines just thought they were exploiting this, you know, little guy. Um, so these documentarians uh, jump out and try to find out what happened to this guy and, you know, where he went and what happened and just kind of his life story. So they, like, go to the Philippines and they search for Wing Wing. Um, basically, his name, his family, uh, all the filmmakers he worked with on his life. It's really fucking good, um, and it and who he was, um, but not all the questions are answered because there's not a lot of details about the guy. He just kind of appeared out of nowhere with these producers that produced pretty much all his films, and there you go. Very good documentary though. Um, next, uh, Savage Beasts from Severin. Um, I grew up with Savage Beasts. Um, a bunch of drugs get into the local water supply and turn basically all these animals into murderous animals, or I should say savage beasts. Um, but great, great little film. There's a part in the film where there is some underage nudity. Is it wild beasts? Savage beasts. Well, I know it as Savage Beast. Wild Beast? Is that like the title that Severin went with? 
I think so. I was trying to look for it. Oh. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it, what, what do they call Because I'm pretty sure it was... Yeah, they're, see, they're calling I it Wild them. Beasts. Okay, I, I, I really just remember it being Savage Beasts from VHS tapes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what Wild Beasts. They turn into Wild Beasts. And it's they go on a murder rampage, like I said. But there's there's this one part in the film where there's this underage nudity, and it just bothers me every fucking time. Like, it's completely unnecessary. It's super weird. Um, but once you kind of get past that, it becomes really fun. I know that this film was kind of frowned upon because of, um, you know, s- some some animal cruelty. Yeah, not um, you know, it's not heavy, but you know, like little things like rats and stuff like that. Um, plus, it's a bunch of Italians uh, making an exploitation. Flick. Yeah, well, that's why I think so, where that nudity comes in. Like, is they're just they're apparently from what I, cause I haven't seen it yet. It's it's getting very close on my agenda to watch. Um, but a, apparently, from what I read, was it's non sexual and they're just changing and it's just just. I wonder if it's just an Italian thing. Yeah. Uh, I've watched probably more Italian movies than I have American European films. And, I don't know. And it's just, it, it, the thing is, it's like, you know, it's just like a little, it's like a 12 year old. So it's, it's pretty, pretty weird. Um, but once you got to get past that, it gets pretty hardcore with, you know, uh, with, with the animals attacking. There's some really, I mean, they did a great job making, making it look like these animals really attack. Um, there is a, a cheetah, um, uh, kind of chase where this woman is in a vehicle and this cheetah's chasing her down and like these other guys are chasing after the cheetah that's chasing her. But it's, it's really, really good. A lot of, a lot of good, um, camera work, a lot of great editing, uh, even for these kind of like exploitive or, uh, exploitation Italian flicks. Uh, next up was uh, Arrow's release of Initiation. I love this movie. I know that this is kind of one. I think you would really like this, Sean, because yeah, you're I not. It. It's on my uh, to watch pile. You're not super gung ho about slasher films. It depends. On this the is no. I, I, I know. I know. You, you're not very big on just like people getting killed and someone in a mask. Yeah, you want a little be... bit more substance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To, to, to your film. And this does. I mean, we watch a film where we build around sorority girls that's not a TNA movie, which I'm completely fine if you want to make a TNA movie. But um, this is not a TNA flick. It's, it's uh, you know, there is some, you know, sexy time and stuff like that. But it's uh, very similar to Hide and Go Shriek. If anybody's familiar with that, it's uh, basically people break in to uh, someone dad or something owns a, a furniture store or a shopping mall, for instance, uh, it's that same thing where they break into somewhere to spend the night and party. And, you know, Hey, it's a uh, killer robot or something's on the loose. And that's kind of what the initiation is. It's a, it's a, a school uh, or a sorority that they challenge uh, Daphne uh, Zingia. I think is how you pronounce it. You, you know, say anything girl or wait, no, that is Ioni Sky. Daphne Zungia was in that TV show. Wasn't she? Is that the Growing Pains girl? 
I don't she's know. She's super popular. She's super popular. Well, anyways, this is like one of her first films. Um, so basically they uh, get these new uh, co-eds to go in and uh, kind of seduce the security guard and seal his uniform and his underwear. Um, and some shit goes down. Uh, but there's a lot more to the film than that. It's really like it's it's twisty. It's fun. Um, you know, it, it, it takes place actually um, – you know, this is always a fun thing, and I thought about uh, writing something about this. Please don't steal it um, if you're listening. Um, but the everything, all the films that take place at, um, I just drew a blank. It's a very popular mall in California, Sherman Oaks Mall. Um, it, this movie takes place at Sherman Oaks Mall. It's like, uh, you know, Terminator 2 was filmed in there uh, during all those mall scenes. Uh, Chopping Mall, I believe, is filmed in Sherman Oaks. By the way, Daphne Um, Daphne Zaniga? Zaniga? Yeah. Yeah, she was in Family family Ties. Family Ties, okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to drive me crazy. Um, You know, uh, Commando was filmed at Sherman Oaks during that sequence. There's a lot of big, big films filmed at Sherman Oaks Mall. Is it Sherman? Yeah, I think it's Sherman Oaks. I, I think um, so. It was super cool because, like, it's supposed to be like some kind of high tech facility type thing, but it's actually a fucking mall, and you can tell because there's like stores in the background. Um, but anyways, like, it, it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, next up was another Wild Eye film that I wasn't a hundred percent on. Uh, it's uh, I always forget how to say her last name, De- Debbie Rochin, I think. But I mean, she's been in film for. Ever, I don't know if this is her directorial debut. I mean, Tiffany Sheppis is in it. I thought I was going to watch something pretty cool. Man, this movie is dry as fuck. Mm. And it was—I I saw it on a lot of lists last year. Um, so I was kind of pumped to see it. And it was also on those like I fucking hate these lists, but there was a couple. Uh, last year that I was like, oh shit, I actually haven't heard of this. 11 films you've never even heard of. <laughs> it's like, wow, I've seen all 11 like two years ago. Thanks. Um, but there was, this was on like two lists. So I was like, oh shit, I have that. Um, man, I tell you, this is, this is really dry. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of body positive, body shaming horror film um, with kind of a older person that kills. Um, but what's it called? Yeah, it's called. Oh, sorry, I'm so sorry. It's called Model Hunger. Model um, Hunger. And I just, I, I wanted really more out of it because Debbie, Debbie's been in the business for fucking like you know thirty years, man. I, I would just expect something more, you know. But maybe she just doesn't have it. Maybe she's just better on you know in front of the camera. Um, but hey, bravo for for, for making a movie. Um, next up, dude, Sean, this mm. is your shit. Oh shit. Listen, I've actually forgot to text you about this movie. Uh, this movie came out in 2014, like festival wise, and it just now got released on Blu-ray, but it's called an order of disappearance. And Stellan Scar- Starsgard is in it. He's a normal Joe Schmo guy that sells, uh, uh, snowplow equipment. Skarsgård. Um, Skarsgård. I love his life. And he... Uh, his son is murdered. Um, he's just a normal Joe Schmo guy. So this is kind of like a you know revenge movie where he just fucking takes on the mafia himself. Mm. It's so fucking good, dude. It is so like it. 
these films, like stuff that he's in, like there was also a film a couple years ago, I think by the same director called A Somewhat Gentle Man. Uh, and I don't know if that ever actually got released in, uh, in America, but there's a sense of brutality, but really funny, dark comedy in these movies. Like when you're like, you're like, oh my God, this is really fucking funny, but I'm not like, it's not something you would, you're supposed to laugh at, but it's so dark and disturbing that you can't help but snicker. Um, but this film is brutal. It's like I said, it's funny. Um, it's got a really cool story. It's got a nice little mythology behind it. Because um, you know, it's just—it's about hitmen. It's about you know uh, drugs. It's—it's it's about family. It's about revenge. Um, it's really, really, really good. And this plays at Fantastic Fest, and I was so mad that I missed it because it would have been a lot of fun with that crowd, especially something like this. So it finally released on Blu-ray um, like three years later, but it's really, really good, and you would love it. Um, I watched Roxanne finally. You ever see Roxanne with Steve Martin? Oh yeah. Hey, this yeah. is released on Blu-ray over uh, over in the UK. It's oh. not, it's region locked, but anybody with a region free player, you're safe. Yeah, this was released on Blu-ray over there. So I, I picked it up because I was like, you know, I've actually never seen Roxanne, and I'm a big Steve Martin fan. Love his books, love his movies. Um, yeah, this is kind of funny. You know, it's, it's basically about you know Daryl Hannah. Um, she, uh, loves the looks of one guy, but loves the words that he's saying, but Steve Martin is actually the one saying them. So it's basically this guy is helping out, um, his, uh, his buddy here, but, you know, Steve Martin has this long nose, um, like a gigantic nose that he's proud of. But sometimes he wants to like just chop it off and be like he's like I want to be normal with a really smooth nose. I don't want this big beautiful snot. Like he loves his nose, but if anybody says anything about it, he like attacks them. Um, it's kind of a weird setup, but it's it's really like slapsticky and you and they, know. And they don't even make cute. it look like like a, a normal big nose. It's like cartoonishly it's, big. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Pinocchio type yeah. type thing. No, I saw um, it when it first came out. Yeah, yeah, I was just big. never like. I don't know why I missed it, um, but I mean I did. But uh, yeah, it's it's right up my alley. It's very eighties, very very silly. Um, you know, uh, it's Steve Martin. I mean, there you go. I, I think that should explain the movie enough. I mean, yeah. it's Steve Martin being Steve Martin. He's the, he's the best. Then, like funny, but still like sentimental and sweet comedy. You know, like his movies. You know, you yeah, know, the good family like stuff. That. Yeah. You know, because like even I don't know, he's just I grew up watching a lot of his movies, and I know his comedy is not for everybody, yeah. but it's I think it's for me. You know, I I don't wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of I, I know a lot like, people are hardcore fans of, like The Jerk and stuff. I enjoy those movies. I was always more of a Chevy Chase guy, um, and then. Arrow's release of Psychomania. Psychomania has been released on every <laughs> fucking DVD label known to man. It's had so many shitty releases. Um, I was under the impression it's public domain, and it still could be. Um, but it was one of those films that I thought would never, ever get released. Because a lot of companies say, this is the reason why Night of the Living Dead has never been released 
uh, and restored is because the film's been released so many times. Who the fuck is going to buy it? You know, it's one of those things. Um, but they found the fucking elements to this film. They did a 2K scan uh, on it. And this film is beat to fucking shit. I mean, the DVD releases of this film was so terrible, so dark. Um, I've owned it on VHS about twice, three times maybe. Different copies, um, different labels of DVD, those big uh, packs uh, from Mill Creek. Uh, Code Red released it. Known as the, this movie's also well, very well known as the Death Wheelers. So if you have a Death Wheelers DVD or one of those Mill Creek sets and it says Death Wheelers, that's Psychomania. Um, so I was like, kind of afraid that this movie, because I've always loved this film. Um, it's a bunch of bikers. It's really campy. It's really bizarre. It's really silly. Um, but a bunch of these bikers, uh, their main, uh, dude, head of the biker gang, Tom decides that if they kill themselves, they can live forever in this kind of like, uh, spiritual world. And all they do is they're a biker gang and they wreak havoc everywhere in town. Um, and, uh, it's really goofy. There's a lot of weird moments like, you know, Tom is like talking to his girlfriend and he's like, Oh, what's that? And he like has this giant frog. He picks up like a ginormous frog and just, he's talking to her and then he just puts it like in his jacket pocket and then like starts talking to her again. And the frog's just sitting there. And, uh, it's like one of those, mo- it's, it's so like, it reminds me of like those, um, Judd Apatow, Seth Rogen, Steve Carell things. Like there's a moment where he's like in, um, like in the kitchen talking to his uh, like butler helper guy because his family's really rich and he's just standing there and out of nowhere like he's having this serious conversation and out of nowhere he just walks into the kitchen and sitting by the counter having a conversation and all of a sudden he picks up the biggest sub sandwich I have ever seen in my life and then bites into it and the sandwich is like bigger than his face <laughs> But he never made a sandwich. There's no sandwich anywhere. It just comes out of nowhere. And you just can't help but laugh because it's super fucking ridiculous. Um, He's like talking with his mouth full. It's just a lot of things like that. It's very silly 70s. But it's got one of the best soundtracks in the world. It's got great cinematography. It's got some cool stunts. Um, It's not for everybody. I can already tell you that. But um, it's something that I – it was one of those exploitation films I kind of grew up on and it's just, uh, you know, super weird. That's pretty much it. I watched Expendables 3, which was <laughs> the worst movie I've ever seen. Um, oh, man. But those, yeah. aren't, those don't hold up on a rewatch. Dude, how awful can those I get, don't man? Understand. Like I enjoy the first one for what it yeah. – you know, Sean's yeah, quote for what are... it is. Yeah. Um, the second one, I, I was like, man, this is really, really silly. And the third one – like I felt like it was a cartoon most of the time. How much fucking like crappy fucking CGI can we have in a movie? Yeah. Like I mean, if they would have just stuck to the basics and practical effects, like an '80s flick, you know what I mean? The first, it's not hard. It's just I don't understand. Like they over they overthought it or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I feel bad because I feel like these movies should be like a big thing. 
You know, I feel like these should be like fucking Star Wars type shit. Like everybody's fucking excited about the new Expendables movie because the cast in this thing is is great. Um, Stallone always has a great little script that's really goofy and campy and a lot of fun, and he does. He's got the action fair, but right, but they do it in such a way that it moves so quick. There's so much nonsense. you know, I just wish they took their time, I guess. I don't know. It's very disappointing. Yeah. Uh, but this is, this is, it's complete garbage. Like, I mean, I gave it a two star out of five just because <laughs> the one made me laugh a couple times. Yeah. Um, but man, it's just, it, it, it's just, it's so silly how they try to incorporate like a new group really quick and then that fails and then they have like everybody come back and it's like, ugh. Ugh. Whatever. Well, if you guys are wondering where BG went, uh, we had some Skype issues. So uh, we're working on bringing her back. Do you see John Wick 2 yet? No. Oh, dude. You need to see John Wick 2. <laughs> I actually saw John Wick 2. Um, I'm not a – I wouldn't say it's the first one. Um, it's very close though, four and a half stars. And me and we were talking about special effects – John Wick's not a $50 million, $75 million movie. Um, actually, I don't know the budget. I could be wrong. But I've never seen – and these movies are directed by a stunt guy, by the way. They're not directed by some well-known director or action director. Um, John Wick, the first film and the second film, was directed by a fucking stunt guy. Damn. Um, when I was in the theater for John Wick at Fantastic Fest, I believe it was the world premiere, I was like, I like Keanu, I'll watch it, but maybe at a later time. You know, I wasn't really into watching at the festival. And everybody's, I, I tell people, and you're, you're crazy. I was like, yeah, but you know what John Wick is now. I didn't. No one did. So I'm sitting in the fucking theater, and this guy comes up. And he's like, oh, I, this, I don't even know if this is any good. I'm a stunt guy. I just wanted to make a silly action movie. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is going to be one of these direct-to-video fucking action movies. You know, that fucking one of those burnout actors like uh, Gary Daniels <laughs> is in. And it, John Wick just blew me away. Um and it does have a silly plot, but it's so charming and so fun, and just like it, it knows what it is. He was a um, he was a stunt double for Keanu Reeves in Point Break. He's been a stunt double for Keanu Reeves for years. Yeah, that's the reason why shit. they made the movie together. The yeah, Matrix. Yeah, and so like he just says he even says I don't even know if this is any good, and he's like I I, I don't even know how to do a Q and A. I don't even know what I don't even know <laughs> what I did. And I'm like, oh, my God, this can be garbage. But, I mean, obviously, I was fucking dead wrong. Um, and so John Wick 2, I was, you know, really worried because I was like, are they going to fucking, you know, think that they're too good? Like, they're just going to be like, oh, everybody loved the first one. And they're obviously going to love the second one. Um, and John Wick 2 is great. It has – I would say it has better stunts than the first film. It has uh, – Somewhat better shootouts. Um, it knows it really takes on the personality this time. They have a lot of fun with with the film because I think I, I don't know if they were worried about kind of the silly plot that was in the first film and um, kind of just the things that were said. Uh, but people loved it. You know, it's like 
all the like the little lines and everything like that. People were, you know, snickering and it's still a really great movie. It's really fun. Um, so they, they really had a blast with this one because they were like, Oh yeah, John Wick, they killed his dog and they have his car, you know? Um, so he's just still pissed off about everything. Um, but I tell you what, man, I've never seen a film with stunts as great as this. Um, the opening sequence of this film, the first 15 minutes, there is some car shit. A car chase, cars plowing into one another. There's like, there's people fighting in a circle. And cars are slamming into one another. Why these people are fighting? And there's a stunt where Keanu rolls out of this car as the car is hitting it, and it's flawless. And I'm like, wait, did they actually do this? Obviously, they didn't. But I'm like, I'm looking at it. And I was like, that looked amazing. And then they have a CGI house burning now. But anyways, um, you know, it's either near or there. But I, I don't care about that type of shit. Because, I mean, they do uh, CGI headshots and shit like that. Which I understand because it's so quick you can't, like, that would be really crazy to try to pull, you know, squibs off on people's heads during these long, oh, yeah. long shots of him yeah, yeah. shooting everybody. So I, I can forgive that type of shit. Um, but man, it's so much fun. He has such a blast with it. Keanu's so, so great. They open this movie up to so many sequels. Like this thing is going, I really hope this thing just goes to chapter seven of <laughs> John Wick and the fate and the furious or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be kind of a fast and the furious type thing where we're just going to love everybody that's involved in these movies and, and the characters um, that we're just going to have a blast with everything. So I, I'm really excited to see the future of, um, of John Wick. And I really hope this director, he keeps it up because I don't think they need anybody else. Yeah. I think they need that where that where it started, you know, a buddy of Keanu Reeves, because obviously Keanu has a lot of input because these guys have been working together for yeah, you know Keanu, five, 30, 30 years. Yeah, and Keanu's directing movies, too. So, you know, that, he, you know, you know that this director just wasn't just jumping in totally blind, you know, because Keanu. Right. This is very well put together and set up and they're having a blast with it. And I just hope it doesn't go bigger than it's supposed to. Awesome. Um, but man, God damn dude, the gunfights in this movie. Oh, and what? common dude, the, some of the stuff between him and common are just so fucking good. And this movie has so many fucking funny moments. Oh my God. But yeah, go see it. It's, 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 it's crazy. Good. Awesome. All right, well, let's jump into the news with Josh Obershaw, and we will come back, hopefully have BG back here, and we will talk uh, Striker, and we'll have our stream screams, and our VHS, oh my god. So stick around. Well, Josh Obershaw joins us for some Blu-ray news. What's up, man? What's up, Sean? How are you this week? I'm good. Welcome back. It's good to be back. Trying to uh, trying to stay uh, not sick, but uh, but I'm good. That's good to hear. Well, I hope you've gotten uh, comfortable because we have got a ton of news to get through, and we're gonna. Oh man, 
gonna get we're gonna get through these really really quick. So why don't we just get started? We're gonna start off with some uh, some new franchise uh, news. Now I had planned on talking about this, but uh, Mike D kind of from the Splat House kind of ruined that. But uh, Paramount canceled the new Friday the Thirteenth movie. Boo. Moving right along. We've also got news on The Strangers 2. Looks like it that is finally going before the cameras. Brian Bertino, who directed the original film, is going to be co-writing this time. And he's giving the director duties to a guy named Johannes Roberts, who directed a movie called The Other Side of the Door. And shooting is set to begin this spring. And in wow. this... So it's been nine years since this movie came out. I think a lot of people are waiting for this yeah. one. Uh, as far as like any box office is concerned, I mean, there's, you know, a lot of these delayed sequels haven't been doing too hot lately. So I don't know. I'm a little worried about that. But at the same time, I'm glad to see this movie get a sequel because it kind of deserves it. Yeah, cool. And in this week's You Didn't See That Coming, uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride are writing the next Halloween movie for Blumhouse. The guys behind Pineapple Express are doing Halloween. That is just totally out of left field, but I'm really excited for it because obviously John Carpenter approves of it, therefore I approve of it. It's so out in left field it could possibly work. And then if you've seen Vice Principles and the way that ended, it's like you kind of, you know, I I I I think they can pull something off here that's pretty original. Well, I haven't seen Vice Principles yet, but I've got HBO for like a limited time right now, so I might have to check that out just to get a sense of what what they've got planned. Well, I do already have kind of a sense of that. I mean, on the McBride side, because of uh, this is the end. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty pretty excited about this. The best part of this uh, bombshell that we got concerning Halloween is we have a release date set for October 19, 2018. Just time for the 40th anniversary of the original film. How cool is that? It's a good time to be alive. All right, now it's back to the uh, the home the home video news, and we're going to start off with Vinegar Syndrome. Their March lineup has been finalized, and it's a little shorter than usual, and it's pretty heavy on the dirty stuff. The big release coming out in March is going to be Kevin Tenney's Witch Trap, starring Linnea Quigley. So we get some more Linnea Quigley via Vinegar Syndrome. The other titles are, we're getting a Blu-ray DVD combo pack of the 1975 film China Girl, not to be confused with the late 80s movie called China Girl. And the other one, the other two are going to be DVD only, and they are the Picarama double features. One contains Desires and Love Champions, and the other Picarama has Sherlock Holmes and Reunion. And this package, <laughs> this package is set. Sorry, I just got the play of the words on the title. <laughs> yeah, it took me a second too because I thought I, I thought I read that wrong because I kind of usually do. But uh, yeah, the release date for the package is March twenty eighth. You could get your bundle. You can pre-order your bundle right now and get 40% off if you order it before March 1st, that is. After that, it's going to be 35% off until March 13th. And then after that, it's going to be 30% off until the release date. So the sooner you order, the more money you can save. And considering it's a light pack in March, uh, 
it's not going to be too hard on your wallet. So moving right along, we got some Severn news. First up, Severn have announced that they're going to be releasing uh, Bruno Mattei's Guardian Hell, a.k.a. The Other Hell. It's a film from 1981. There's no release date on it yet, but the one thing we can tell you is that it will be a new master. And uh, speaking of Severn, we got some late, late, late breaking news to share with you. Severn has a release date for their Blu-ray and DVD of 1977's Kathy's Curse. And this is one that a lot of people are anticipating. And judging by, you know, the stills that I've seen, I really want to see this one. Plus, I got a soft spot for uh, Canadian horror films. I have ever since I was a kid. So this is definitely one that's on my radar. Next up, Blue Underground. There are two previously released movies that Blue Underground put on DVD. They're both directed by Jess Franco, starring Christopher Lee. And those two movies are The Blood of Fu Manchu and The Castle of Fu Manchu. Those movies are going to be put together in a Blu-ray double feature. So that'll be coming out sometime in 2017. Now, this past February 4th was a birthday for George A. Romero. So Arrow took that time to announce that they are going to be releasing 4K restoration Blu-rays of Season of the Witch and the Crazies at some point in 2017. And they will, yes, be available for both U.S. and U.K. collectors. And uh, speaking of Romero, Scorpion Releasing announced that they are going to be working on a Blu-ray of the movie Two Evil Eyes, which is the film he co-directed with Dario Argento. It's two separate stories, so... I. I, I'm not sure. Would you call that an anthology? Yes, uh, kind of, sort of, I guess. It, it it had an out-of-print Blu-ray, right? By uh, Didn't they already have an out-of-print Blu-ray, so they're, they're re-releasing it? Or is this a different company? Oh, it's a different company. Blue Underground, I believe, had uh, Two Evil Eyes on, they did the- on DVD. Okay. Blu-ray, I'm not too sure about. You may be right about that, but I know... No, when- I, I, own, yeah, I, I own the Blu-ray. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I snagged it before it was going out of print, so it sounds like someone else snagged up snagged up the rights. It did re-release. That was Scorpion. All right. Speaking of Argento, Scorpion releasing are also working on a Blu-ray for his 2004 film, The Card Player. So that's what we got from Scorpion, and segueing from Scorpion releasing to Code Red. Mm-hmm. There's a big uh, list of titles that Code Red have announced that they are working on. And by Code Red, I mean the Banana Man. First up is The Dark. That's going to be a 2K restoration of the 35mm negative of the original cut. Plus, they're also working on Warlock Warlock Moon, excuse me, which is also going to have a commentary. Then they're going to be putting out Simon, King of the Witches followed by Street Law, starring Franco Nero, and directed by Enzo Castellari, who did that Jaws ripoff, Great White. 1982's The Concrete Jungle, starring Jill St. John. Blackout from 1978. This is going to have a commentary with actress Belinda Montgomery, moderated by Damon Packard. And they're going to be releasing a Paul Nishi movie entitled The Mummy's Revenge. So that's your Code Red update. And now we get to a super long list of updates from Shout Factory. 
And we're going to start with uh, Shout Select. This is a movie I'm excited for. On May 2nd, Shout Select are going to be releasing a collector's edition Blu-ray of Streets of Fire. Yes. I am so soaked for this one because this movie is a childhood favorite. This is a family favorite. Uh, the soundtrack is one we can never get tired of. The news that we have right now for this one, it's going to be a 2K scan of the inner positive, and it's going to contain a second disc of extras. So Streets of Fire, May 2nd. And also, that artwork, beautiful. Next up from Shout Select, we've got two legendary Bruce Lee movies, Return of the Dragon and Game of Death are coming out on May 16th. Both of them are going to be collector's editions, and the one for Game of Death is going to be two-disc. Coming out really soon, March 14th, I should say, is going to be Red Dawn, the original Red Dawn. This is also going to be a collector's edition. There's a couple of extras on it, like a 70-minute featurette. So that's going to be one I know a lot of people are looking forward to, especially if you're a fan. Or if you just like to see commies get blown up. <laughs> and finally, from Shout Select, uh, A Fantastic Fear of Everything, starring Simon Pegg. This one's coming out in May, and it's going to be available on Blu-ray and DVD. And now we're moving on to Screen Factory. They've got a long list of extras for both RoboCop and... 2 and Robocop 3. Both of those are going to be collector's editions, and those are coming out on March 21st. <clears throat> and for a full those extras, um, maybe I'll get something typed up for that so you can see exactly what's going to be on it, because it's a yeah, lot. It actually, it's, it's it's so many extras that actually, because I was kind of poo-pooing this release, and there's enough there, and I think Frank Deckard is, Frank Deckard is even involved, right? Uh, yeah. On the Robocop 2. For 3. Yeah, so even with with his involvement, I think there's a uh, uh, commentary with him. I think. Anyway, there's enough on there with people involved with these that I almost need to grab these now because I want to hear, especially 3, I want to hear like how that thing, because that thing just bombed and uh, the director was very vocal about everything. And so it'll be, it'll be great to hear it coming directly from him. You know, so I'm I'm I've I've changed my tune. I am actually looking forward to these now. <laughs> cool. Well, I was looking just because of the the amount of extras. Yeah. yeah, it's a really long list, so I'll get that up for you as soon as I can. Cool. Uh, wow. I'm I'm looking at these dates, and all I see is May, 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 and there is a ton of good stuff coming up in May. I mean, I already mentioned Streets of Fire before from Shouts Like, but Screen Factory are going to be releasing Jackson Stewart's uh, Beyond the Gates. This is an IFC Midnight release. They're also releasing the movie Virus on May 2nd. That's the Jamie Lee Curtis movie. And another Women in Cages, you know, Women in Prison movie, I should say. It's called The Naked Cage. That one is coming out on May 2nd. We have a release date for Psycho 98, May 9th. That is if you want to buy it. But even better on May 9th is going to be Serial Mom, John Waters' Serial Mom. And this has got some pretty cool extras on it, too. And I'll, and I'll share those on the site when I can. Here are two movies that I know a lot of people have been asking for. And that's Willard and Ben from 72 and 73, respectively. Those are coming out on May 16th. 
And if I remember correctly, when they announced these all the way back at Comic-Con, it was going to be a double feature Blu-ray. It looks like they are going to be... That was my impression, yeah. Yeah, it looks like they're going to be separate releases, Blu-ray and DVD combos. So that's going to be really exciting. And there's also a bunch of titles that... Oh, more money. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and there's a bunch of titles coming out from Screen Factory 2 that a uh, little light on the details, but let me just go through these. They have they listed five obscure titles that they're going to be putting out, much like they did with Deathstalker and a couple other ones. I think Up From the Deaths was another one. But uh, they're going to be putting out The Man from Planet X, The Four Skulls of Jonathan Drake, The Bat People, Vicious Lips, and Alienator. So a bunch of Alienator is a ton of fun. Oh really? You seen? Not it? sure if it's worth twenty five dollars. Oh dear. Is I they it, I have it on some like four movie set that I got for seven bucks that they had released that that Scream Factory or Shout Factory Factory had released. Oh okay. And you know it's a fun B movie. I don't I don't know if you really really need it in high def. Uh, or need to spend twenty five dollars on a bare bones. That's that's my only problem with these are they're just striking some HD masters, you know, right? Uh, or releasing these HD masters. And I'm sure they look good, but you know these movies, man, they're they're goofball fun. So it's it's you know it's whatever you want to do. It's, it's however you want to spend it. You know, if you feel like it's worth it, go for it. But Alienator out of that bunch is the one that I've seen, and it's. It's goofy as shit, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, is this on the same one that uh, Exterminator 2 was on? The same... Uh, Something the- like that. It's like they're... Uh, it's on the same one, I think, that has um, the arena. I oh, okay. It's a bunch of sci-fi stuff. Yeah, I just might... I can't uh, remember. The arena, though, or is it just arena? It's some 80s sci-fi flick. If that ever comes out on Blu-ray, I'm buying it. <laughs> Even though I own, I think before I make, uh, I think before I make a decision if I want to spend that kind of money on just something like that, I think I might pick up that that four four movie collection that they put. You find it for cheap, and they're all super fun, you know. So um, then they look fine. That's that's the thing. Like they're you know, death. I I pass on the Deathstalker ones because I already own them on DVD, and they look good enough for me for those movies. That's another one I I want to get. Spend twenty five dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's another set I want to get. The, yeah, the Deathstalker, Deathstalker Two, and it, the Barbarian, the Barbarian, the oh. Barbarian Brothers. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that one since I was a kid. Great I can't stuff. wait to revisit that. All right, moving on with more Screen Factory stuff. Uh, they're going to be putting out this uh, movie from 1980 called Windows. It's I guess it's a thriller, NYC thriller, directed by cinematographer Gordon Willis, the legendary Gordon Willis. Starring Talia Shire, music by Ennio Morricone, and there's no release date for that yet, but it's supposed to be coming out sometime uh, this summer. They're also putting out a Blu-ray of Island Island of Terror. This is starring Peter Cushing from 1966, directed by Terrence Fisher. And finally, I'm actually kind of not surprised by this, but Screen Factory are putting out a collector's edition of the original Species. So if you bought all the other species movies from Screen Factory, guess what? You get to complete the whole set. Because <laughs> that's already out on Blu-ray too, though. 
Yeah, but it's it's a bare bones. But uh, I'm sure they're going to add some good stuff. Oh, for sure. I, I can't wait to see who they get to interview for this one. Yeah. Because that's kind of an it's kind of an impressive cast. Yeah. I remember because I, I I revisited this one last year and I saw, you know, Ben Kingsley's in it and Marge Helgenberger from CSI. And I'm like, wow, star studded. But here's the thing: I just want to bring this up really quick. And if they're gonna do this for species, you know, put it and say, oh, just throw in the original one. Then you think they're gonna do the same thing to RoboCop? Because I think that might be a strong possibility. Oh, RoboCop? Who knows, man? That's gotten so many releases by so many different companies. It just it's it's all about money at this point. I'm sure. But I've bought RoboCop so many times. I think I'm good. But they might. I mean, uh, but the thing is, like, they never they did that. Those releases for scanners and Criterion got scanners, you know. So for the the original. So who knows? I don't know. And then they, you know, they released Phantasm Two, but never got to release the entire set, you know. So, so who who knows? I'm sure it's something that they thought about, but I'm not really worried about it. Robocop, the Robocop Blue is pretty great, and it's is very stacked. So that is all the news that I have for you, Sean. Yeah, Josh, thanks for uh, for all those announcements, man. Yeah, a lot of stuff. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah. Yep, we'll see you guys next time, and uh, I'll have some more news for you then. Awesome. Save your money. That's all I have to say. Alright, so uh, technical snafus have hopefully been patched. BJ's back. Oh, hi. <laughs> I hope you missed me, because I missed you. Yeah! <laughs> uh, Alright, here we go. So, <clears throat> first flick we're going to be talking about today, Kino Lorber just released this on Blu-ray. Uh, this is 1983's Striker. The last war started an error. Oh my god. Donald Trump. Whoever, wait, whose error nobody knows. It was Donald Trump. Nor does it matter now. It was Donald Trump. Nothing matters now other than survival. Steve Bannon. <laughs> no, is that it? Can I just have, no, I just made can, that up. On can the you write every Filipino <laughs> ripoff movie? Yes. Like, like, I just would like that to happen now. This is tomorrow, the day after the end. A world once destroyed, now reborn. Without rules. Without justice. Without water. Only the strongest survive. <laughs> this is a land he calls home. They call him Striker. This was uh this was released through Roger Corman's New World Pictures. Uh, directed, of course, by Sirio H. Santiago, who I've talked about quite a bit earlier in the podcast about uh, his other post-nuke things. Uh, four of them released by uh, Code Red. And like I said, this is by Kino Lorber. Um Hey, don't forget a bunch of stuff released by Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, what were those flicks? You were, I had them, and I, I don't, they're not in front of me. Well, I mean, they released the 
the the the mothers they've released. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. The DVDs. Yeah, he 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 has done like any exploitation ripoff. Is pretty much he's covered pretty much every genre. Death Force. That was the other one. Yeah. Um. Uh. So you can find yeah those there's a couple DVDs of his movies through Vinegar Syndrome. I mean, if you look him up on IMDb, his list of films is ridiculous, and they're all pretty much you know just trashy exploitation. Um, All you have to say is Caged Heat 2. Mm. Like, not even Caged Heat 1, Caged Heat 2. Nice. <clears throat> In the original, since we talked about Expendables 3, he's the original director <laughs> of the Expendables. Oh, man. That is crazy. So we've talked about these post-apocalyptic flicks in the past. Um, this one, definitely very much a response to Mad Max. Um, you got these, God, everyone's was. dusty. You got all these cars put together. You have a, some very good use of shoulder pads, um, <laughs> in, in the film. And, uh, quite like Blu-ray quality wise, like the code red movies looked better. I don't know if it was elements or what the, the, the elements they got. This one looked, you know, shoddy compared to the, uh, code red ones. Was, I was surprised. Um, well, I mean, it's, you know, Kino just kind of does just, HD masters, I think. Yeah. Maybe Bill did something extra with, with his, they look, sur- I know like, that Red looks surprisingly good. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but, uh, Brad, can you, can you set us up with the plot? Um, cause my plot would be a guy with a Jufro wanders through the apocalypse, Jufro intact. Um, <laughs> Followed no. by some badass women uh, with some shoulder pads and bows and arrows. I mean, it's a ripoff of fucking Mad Max. I mean, it's literally who controls the water <laughs> is the one who yeah. controls the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, they even say those lines. <laughs> I think they like, say those lines in, the, in like a handful of these. Yeah, no, I know, but it's just, I mean, that's exactly what it is. And it's, uh, you know... Um, these women know where the water supply is and they have plenty of water and like one, one, you know, a couple of them want to share it. And they realize that what that would happen is like a great, you know, they have like a spring that they go into and, um, you know, striker hits up with the, with the ladies. Uh, and plus it's like, you know, a little bit of female empowerment. We didn't actually have a lot of those, especially with these Italian knockoffs. I mean, Usually women get treated like shit in Italian movies. Um, so it was kind of refreshing to see, you know, uh, you know, kind of a women and somewhat women empowerment, having a group of women together, which, of course, you know, Mad Max Fury Road did, you know. Um, oh, yeah. But I mean, it's, that, it's, it's, that it's was all a- I could think about watching it was like, there's no way in hell that they weren't looking at some of the older um, kind of ripoffs of the Mad Max movies and being like, hey, this is actually a really good idea and really uh, like prevalent in today's cinema and would be really impactful. And we should just do that. <laughs> and, they, and they did for years. It's crazy. I, I, I think it's just because it was so cheap. You just go to some thrift stores, you buy a bunch of shit, you know, you go to a junkyard, throw some vehicles together, you know, and then you got... Yeah, I, I mean, love that in the... Too. 
I do love that in the apocalypse. Um, sorry, I was. I need to rephrase. It's really early. Um, <laughs> I meant more so with like Fury Road and like the like the oh, using okay. of women is right, so right, similar right. to Striker. Okay. Okay, okay. But yeah, no, I do find it interesting that in these all of these post post apocalyptic movies that the shoulder pads are such a prominent feature. You'd think that they would find something else to want to protect, but for whatever reason, everyone's like, "Nah, dude, shoulders." There like, is this, shoulder. this movie does have one of the best uh, shoulder pad disrobing slash love scenes in a cave <laughs> full of water that I've ever seen in my life. Hey, I just like if <laughs> I'm going to be battling in the apocalypse, I want my shoulders covered. And pretty much just have a loincloth on because that's what everybody has. Apparently, your shoulders are the key to survival. This, this, but then you also get like the dwarf people who are like, (laughs) oh my god, wearing like little Jedi robes. (laughs) I don't know what else to consider it, but they all come out like you can't really even see them because they're just wearing Jedi robes. You're like, oh, okay. They weren't told to like don't create a language, they didn't create a language, they just talk gibberish. Yeah, that, that's all I they... think they I think they just like followed around like babies with like <laughs> microphones and then just made a dialogue out of babies babbling. Yeah, those guys have appeared in in a handful of these movies by uh, by this director. Um, he he's, he must he must have had a, a crew to go to for for these. No, oh, no, he this is guys like the John Carpenter of fucking Filipino uh, films. Like he used yeah. everybody. Everybody was the same, and he made a lot of black exploitation films too. But this is what I'm saying. Like, this is one director that actually took, um, you know, took took filmmaking and actually, you know, started making, um, you know, like he had women in chains movies. He had, you know, the the males running the show. But then he also had this like huge slew of, you know, uh, women kicking ass. So, like, he was just all over the board, you know, uh, making – because, I mean, he had that film Silk and Silk 2. Yeah. You know, uh, The Mothers is, of course, uh, you know, uh, female, uh, you know, empowerment type shit. I mean, yeah, he has those women in – yeah, and what is – TNT Jackson. TNT Jackson. Wait, wait, wasn't Firecracker Fred Williamson in that movie? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Huh. Yeah, I don't know either. But I do think that probably I mean probably a lot of these, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he was in a movie called Firecracker, but No, I don't think he's in that one. Well, I do think that like these women in chains movies kind of get bad raps as being like exploitative to women. But in most of these situations, like, yeah, they're like women in chains, women in cages, whatever you want to consider it movie, but they're all still like really badass characters that are just dealing with like yeah. a kind of a shitty situation. And they get like the they're nation- usually no, Sorry, I was going to say, like, they're usually very, like, sexually, uh, like, sexually positive. Um, all of the women are making a lot of their own decisions. And if they're not making their own decisions, it's in, like, a very tactful, like, I'm letting this happen because I'm going to make this decision later on. And this is something I have to right. get through. Right. And I think that, you know, there's still a lot of, like, like power in, like, female equality in that. It's, like, like the tactful submissive that they use in these movies. Yeah, yeah, and they, and they they use it for a type of revenge later on. Like it's 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 all set up, you know. But um, this yeah, and this that's one, and that's exactly it. He he does this in his other post apocalyptic post apocalyptic flick, uh, Wheels of Fire, where there's uh very much kind of a women in chains type moment with a certain with the character. 
and you know she, um any other director would or i don't know i mean I, i'm not sure what the the culture was like really back then but a lot i know a lot of women were just it was like were being exploited that you it's almost borderline ex, exploit exploitive am i saying that right uh in wheels of fire with that character because she's confined and she has her shirt ripped off but she does get her moment, you know, later on, and it's never like sexy. It's never like, oh yeah, this is- oh yeah. There's a really, there's a rapey scene in Striker. Yeah, but, yeah, and but it's but it's done as a setup to show, you know, she gets her right, right, hers. You know, it's, a, like it's those she things gets to deal out the punishment in the end for these characters. But uh, but this speaking of the villain, like uh, this one has the, the there's the main villain who's kind of you know whatever he's he's a uh, standard villain type but he has that sidekick the big the big guy with the big gut and the, like the weird s s&m type outfit mm, you mean sexy <laughs> follows him around um like poor guy you know what i mean like <laughs> i don't know i just kind of felt bad for the actor man you want to start a group <laughs> because <laughs> he obviously wasn't cast because he's a big strong guy he was cast for that gut I mean let's not let's be honest I remember my first uh, Santiago film I remember the first time I saw a Santiago film um, he had a movie and it was just based off cover art that's the reason why I rented it but it was in the 90s um, it was um, his movie uh, uh, Raiders of the Sun mm. It's like this dude, like this fucking goggles on, and he's got like this fucking huge gun, and it's like I guess shooting flames or some shit, and he's like screaming, and like I was like, what the fuck is it? It's nothing like the movie, of course, uh, you know when you watch it, but like it was like on the shelf, like a blockbuster and stuff when I was little, like I saw it everywhere, and then finally I got, you know, I rented it, and that's when I, you know, very first saw my very first. Uh, Santiago film. Nice. I've been wanting to see the, I, the other poster. He's like the other poster. He's like this guy's like falling down and he has like a chain with a big spiked ball on it. Oh, I just know the VHS cover yeah. art. But yeah, I mean, I didn't know who Santiago was at the time because I rented it when I was little. It's just that image, um, you know, uh, was was got me to rent it. I think I even rented Solo Mario Van Peebles Solo that night. <laughs> That's a hell of a Yeah, I mean, I what happened to Solo? Like Mario Van Peebles is great. I mean, everybody knows him, but he had this movie called Solo where he was a fucking crazy soldier, and it was really good. But anyways, I don't know. Those '90s direct action or direct to video action movies are just like a dime a dozen, and I mean, just they had like a minute of fame just based off cover art. People enjoyed them, but they, we need a resurgence because we had a horror film resurgence for sure, but we need an action movie resurgence from the nineties. Cause I know the nineties get shit on so much between horror and action, but man, there's a lot of sleazy like dramas <laughs> back in their day. Like a lot of sexy dramas and stuff like that. Like oh, erotic. God, I, miss, I miss the erotic dramas. Yeah. Those don't happen like, anymore. Do they? No, they no. don't, and it's just no it's color so weird. Yeah, I mean, even that stuff, uh, you know, the more popular, you know, theater stuff, it's just that stuff doesn't exist anymore. All we get is like this guy, this bullshit uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, and they don't, they don't even know how oh, to yeah. make it's so that. Boring. Like, it's so boring. Sexy. 
Uh, you ever see, uh, <laughs> BJ, you ever see After Dark, My Sweet? No, but it sounds like it's right up my alley just based on the title. Yeah, Jason Patrick's in it and um, oh. Rachel Ward. And it's and it's very like steamy and sleazy and sexy. And it was like the it was like I think at the peak of the like I think it was or Two Moon Junction or shit like that. Where it was just like, you know, really like there was sex in movies, you know, and like actual mm-hmm. sex scenes. It's not like the stupid shit that happens now. Or we just see that's, titties and yeah, it. that's what I'm desperately, desperately missing. Is I hate, I hate that, and it's always, it's always titties on top too. Like, what world do you live in where every single sex scene is a woman on top? Get my the world. fuck out of here! Shut up. <laughs> my world. <laughs> my wife wants um, to So, well, that's <laughs> but like every single, like I, I wrote a piece about this not long ago in horror movies about how like that's always how they die is like it's always a girl on top and then somebody gets stabbed behind. It's like, <laughs> come the fuck on! Like with the ex- like there are a few exceptions like Hatchet Two when like they're doing it from behind and I'm like yeah something different <laughs> oh my god. Um, no, I was gonna say like I'm not very well versed in Santiago's filmography, but I'm trying to kind of catch up on everything because oh, man, his, his I was on the tail end of the VHS stores like you know i've talked about like my mom and pop store but you know because it was a mom and pop store that was kind of failing they had already started to purge a lot of their stuff that they didn't think was going to sell or people Mm -hmm. weren't going to get and that unfortunately meant like a lot of roger corman stuff that wasn't like already a household name um a lot of foreign language or foreign directed stuff kind of went away um and it would just like made room so that way they could they could make room for like the new stuff that was coming out. Yeah. So I kind of have a blind spot with a lot of these movies and that's why I love that everyone's kind of restoring everything mm-hmm. because I love them. Oh dear god, do I love them. I, I have like such an affinity for this <laughs> <sighs> I I love Why me. isn't there a distribution? <laughs> Hey, well, I was like, why I'm isn't there say. like a, distribu- a distribution or a resurrection company that exclusively does that? Like, I will give you all my money. Let's start right, it up. Let's, let's do it, Bert. Dude, fucking, I'm gonna get Zalman King to do like re-release the Red Shoe Diary movies. Uh, fucking Two Moon Junction. Fucking Wild Orchid. Body chemistry. Oh, you know all that shit. I mean, all that shit. Like, I would try to sneak those movies in. To watch them because that was porno to me, you know. Or um, uh, God, I just lost the his name. The closest I ever got Ken, was the love scene at Top Gun. That was the, that was the dude, thing Ken Russell made this movie called Horror. That's oh, really yeah. fucking crazy and really good. I remember um, seeing. Uh, I remember seeing ads like theatrical ads for horror back when I was a kid on TV, and my parents were like, freaking out. Yeah, there was a lot wow. of freak out about it. Oh, that's right. Um, I always forget you were like a little repressed religious kid. <laughs> but I mean, like, I remember like walking in, you know, the uh, the video store in the drama section and then seeing the cover of Horror, oh, yeah. and I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. Like, what is this? The drama Teresa section. Russell? Yeah. Boner. The drama you know, section I, during that time was like the place that I would, because I would be like, I would go over there because I knew I can find those VHS covers, uh, and they'd be in drama, like the erotic drama, but it, it, they were still in, mixed in with everything. And I, I always knew that for some reason the dramas had all the, like the sex in it. 
depending on the movie, but those were the ones that I would always end up kind of browsing because my parents would never suspect anything. Oh, Sean's over in the dramas. Oh, he must be looking for like a really good Civil War era war movie or something. You know? No, you're looking for titties, bro. Oh, hell yeah. Um, uh, and if the horror, if I was in the horror section, a demon probably would jump out from the VHS tape and grab me and suck me in and, you know, uh, hey, possess me. I'm just saying, man, there's, there's so many, I mean, fucking, I mean, I, Jade? I mean, can we talk about Jade for a second? <laughs> How do we go from post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic, uh, Serio Santiago movies to, uh, 80s and 90s oh. erotic thrillers? Yeah, I was going to say, if we're, if we're going to be talking about some titties, let's talk about some titties in Stryker. Let's talk about some titties <laughs> in this gravel pit that is pretending <laughs> to be a desert titties. Yeah. All right. All right. Like I said, there is the, uh, the there is the sex scene where uh, erotically shoulder pads are taken off uh, by by that uh, the that's, one. That's the only way to take off yeah, shoulder pads is erotically. One of, one of, one of Stryker's uh, buddies, he's like super ripped too. Um, one of Stryker's buddies, but uh, but so what's what's the deal with Stryker? Stryker's like the Mad Max type character, right? I mean, who who plays him? He's uh he's first wearing this really ridiculous. Like a uh, cowboy hat, um, for a while, and then he takes it off, and and his hair is still perfect. And there's the scene where he has that machine gun that people have done gifts of this, like where he's shooting his machine gun, and his hair is like wobbling. You know, have you guys seen that? No. His, it's GIF? like he's sh- a gif or whatever the hell you call it now. I don't know. I, I said no. I was I was just, I was saying I was saying people make GIF. a gif was... of him shooting his machine gun and. And and his hair is like vibrating with the machine gun, and it's just perfectly round and beautiful, and like the dust is like poofing off, you know, his hair. It's fantastic. I type in striker gif, and all I get is Mortal Kombat gifs. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I just did. I was like, this doesn't work. <laughs> well, uh, the actor is Steve Sandor, and he's been in movies. Uh, he was in the Ninth Configuration, huh? He he was a did some voice acting in Fire and Ice. He was in Bonnie's Kids. Bro. Oh, I found it. I found it. Movies. Yeah, I like I like uh, Bonnie's Kids. Who? It, it what? Like, uh, the the actor uh, Steve Sandor who plays Striker. He was the, he no, I know, but I mean, no, I said what movie? You said what did you say after Bonnie's Kids? Oh, he was in. I said Brad. He's in Bonnie's Kids. I knew you would know what Bonnie's Kids was. Yeah, yeah, I have that. It's a Gorgon video. Yep, it's on my uh, it's on my to watch pile. I need to get to that. Oh, I did find the gift that is glorious. It is glorious. Um, yeah, and all the little like Ewok <laughs> type little guys are behind him. Filipino Jawas are behind him. I think one even has a crossbow. Look, oh, they all have crossbows. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, man. They don't, I don't remember that scene in the movie. <laughs> I think it's near the end. You know, all these movies end with some final battle, you know. Yeah, because he, hey, tur- he gives them he shoot. gives them water in the first like five minutes yeah. with like this throwaway thing and then they come to the rescue like you gave us water earlier we're here to save yeah. the day but what they said was yeah seriously so it looks like uh uh steve sandor did just did a lot of tv after this uh he didn't really do much past uh the 90s he's still alive i checked this out before i talked about him Right at the beginning of the pod, when yeah. we first started this podcast, I would always bring yes. someone up, and they would end up being dead. Always got depressing. Yes. 
they're all I don't, good. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know this dude at all. Like, I can't. Yeah. I mean, I, I know Bonnie's kids, but I don't know who the hell he was. I think about this was kids. his like big starring role, and he just kind of got sucked in the '80s TV after that. But he's good. I mean, you know, he he does a good job. Like everyone's, uh, you know, everyone's trying hard. He's probably super happy that we're talking about him. Oh yeah, let's look him up. Steve Sander, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, we'd love to have you on the show to talk about Striker. Are you on Twitter? We want to send you this. <laughs> Just keep sending him the the gif. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic. So I, I think, uh, you know, uh, it's, so it's out right now on Kino Lorber Blu-ray. The Blu-ray looks okay. I mean, it looks like it, they're, they're limited to their elements. Um, all, I mean, the Serio H. I finally got rid of my VHS tape. <laughs> Serio H. Santiago's filmography is really fun if you to look through if you're looking into into more of the uh uh you know knockoff type films. Um, I've ta- I've talked about Silk before. Silk is a is a decent little you know uh cop flick. Um, which like surprisingly like with uh, the actress, I, the cover makes it look like it's going to be this sleazy thing. Like it's actually not. Like she's a badass cop in it, and she doesn't really. You know, she doesn't really use her body that way that like you'd think by looking at that cover. Um, cause they, they covers her with a gun and her bra. Um, uh, but it's like, she's like just a badass cop that, uh, kicks ass. Uh, that's a fun one. Uh, the ones that Vinegar Syndrome has released, uh, Death Force, Vampire Hookers, The Mothers. And what are other ones that are available? I've, I've mentioned Wheels of Fire, Equalizer 2000. Um, oh yeah, a lot of his movies are available because Corman released Sisterhood. Empire, so yeah, and then Dune Wars I've talked about. So uh, Brad mentioned Raiders of the Sun. So there's a lot of these that are easy to be found. There, every one of them is a pre- like you can find if you like these types of flicks. You're gonna have fun at, uh, discovering these and watching them. Uh, I think we've talked about Kill Zone before. I think Brad, you have, haven't you? I think uh, David Carradine's in that one. I think right. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yep. yep. He is so yeah. fun. I think I have that on VHS. Fun filmography uh, to look through. Cage Teat, Cage Teat Two, or no, Cage Teat Two is the one that we mentioned. Uh, Cage Fury is another one of his uh, uh, films that uh, can be found. Uh, the posters are always awesome. Better than the movie. Cage Fury poster is badass. So I bet you a handful of these flicks will, would be found in that uh, Maidens or was it a Machete, Machete Maidens Unleashed? You'll probably find a bunch of those movies uh, talked about in that uh, documentary. But anyway, uh, good fun to be had with this. Is there any special features on that Blu-ray? Uh, it's Kino Lober. I don't think so. Uh, just audio it commentary. Never... Oh, Jim Jim Winorski has the audio commentary, dude. That would oh, be worth listening to. How did he do the audio commentary? For I don't know, movie? man, but I, I would, I, I dig, I dig it. Maybe it's his favorite movie ever made. Maybe. Could be. <laughs> Kino is getting. Jim Wynorski's like the biggest striker fan in the world. Could be. But they don't get, bother to get the actor that's still alive that's not doing anything. I know. <laughs> what should we do for this Blu-ray? I'll get the director of Chopping Mall. Yeah. I already likes the movie. The funny thing is it has uh, trailers for Wheels of Fire, Dune Warriors, Equalizer 2000, and The Sisterhood. But you can't buy those through Kino. But it's funny that they have, they have those trailers on there. So watch those trailers. Kino is, like, Kino is getting pretty good about doing some special features on there. Like I just got their 1 Million Years BC 
Blu-ray and I wasn't really expecting much and that thing's packed. So they're starting to uh, pack some of their ones. Yeah, they're starting to why? Because I, I think they know the market, yeah. And they were realizing that, you know, I mean, this is also a company that re- releases, um, you know, like like twenty movies a month on on Blu-ray. I mean, they're just going through MGM vaults and you know releasing as much as they can. Doesn't matter if it's shitty. You know, that, that was like kind of a common misconception of you know last year, a couple years ago, is that oh, it's out on Blu-ray. That means it's a classic. Nope. <laughs> No, they're just releasing everything now. Nah, you got to be selective, man. I, I I almost got sucked well, in that. A that lot was, of shitty movies are being yeah. you know out on Blu-ray. Doesn't I mean it's good. I almost got sucked in that. And I was buying too many, and then half of them are like, God, half these movies suck. What am I doing? So I've be, be selective. Yeah, no, don't don't. Yeah, same thing with all the films, man. You get sucked down a rabbit hole. In that I see. One. I, I've seen some collectors be like, they have a spy number. I need to buy them all. It's like, no, you don't. You don't. You don't. No, it's just that a lot of people you just regard it as classic. single spy you know? number from a company. You don't have to. You don't have to do it. You don't have those to people are crazy. <laughs> I don't know if we've established that enough on this Oh, show. it has a slipcover. I gotta buy it. Oh, my God. Well, I will Is say the movie we good? I don't know, but it's a slipcover and a pen. bought a ton of VHS tapes because they were still factory sealed. And then we looked up and like some of them, yeah, are like we have a factory yeah. sealed copy of Dr. Caligari. That's just worth a bajillion dollars. Um, but then there's like other ones where I'm like, this is worth 12 cents with or without the paper. <laughs> like <laughs> that was not the best purchase. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. You'd All be, right. Dude, some tapes are just crazy, crazy worth so much money. Ridiculous. Oh, I mean, I fucking sold a wizard uh, zombie tape for two hundred dollars last year. Jesus, zombie! That's you been people out be crazy. Like times. You people spending that money hey. on VHSs? You be crazy. Like it, it matters. Like that's the thing is, like people just don't. They were like, oh, you know, this one movie that's been released a hundred times, this isn't worth nothing. No, it depends on the label it's on because there might only yeah. been like a thousand of those pressed. So. You have to really, really get into. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm down that rabbit hole. I'm I'm I know being, too much about tapes. Yeah, I need somebody to come over and like look at what we have because some of the stuff like we have, you know, we have a bunch of copy copies of the Visitor, but we have like three different cover arts from like three <laughs> different things, and they're all factory yeah. sealed. And I'm like, I have no idea what anything art. is. It might be cool. I'm being facetious when yeah. I make fun of collectors. I I am one. Uh, I've had to actually break like a lot of OCD habits just to survive, especially being a father of three. So I get it. I get the collector mindset. I'm not trying to be a dick. Um, I've had to break a lot of hardcore habits. So I, I get it. Um, I used to like me not caring about slipcovers is like, that's a recent development within the past couple of years. So just cause I, you know, figured out that people would pay money for. Uh, certain slipcovers, so I'd be like, Shit, "Yeah, I'll sell a piece of cardboard and get twenty bucks and buy myself another movie." Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. You know, Gotta, I mean, cardboard or movie people. About I don't, shit. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's all good. Um, all right, let's move on into our segments here. Let's jump into stream screams. Nate, wake up. <laughs> There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Don't fucking scream at me. Scream, I'll break your neck. <laughs> Don't scream, miss. Don't scream. 
Stream, stream. Today, yeah. we are talking. Um, I was surprised when you put this on our list, Brad, because this is kind of more of a well known film. But, um, but it's 1985's Silver Bullet. It happened every time the moon was full. Nobody knew who or what was responsible. They only knew it had to be stopped. Stephen King's Silver Bullet. Starts Friday at a theater near you. It's not well known, though. That's the thing, man. It's, it's one of those movies that I've noticed through a lot of conversations with people and just mentioning it. And, you know, that's the thing is I, I've said this on the show a couple times. Like, you would think that something's so popular. Like, I told you, I was at Fantastic Fest last year. I was in the theater with, like, 250 people. Fantastic Fest, a horror genre or a genre festival that very specializes in horror films in Austin, Texas, a very known movie fucking so capital of the so world. You're saying a lot of people there probably know what they're talking about with flicks. Well, no. They should. Well, I mean, that, and yeah, I agree, but when the fucking, they introduced Phantasm and they said, raise your hand if you've never seen Phantasm, 80% of the theater raises their hands. I'm like, wait a second. Phantasm, like what the fuck, you know? Just I also we, think that you know what I was gonna say. I think like with something like Silver Bullet, though, because there are so many um, Stephen King movies. Like I think a lot of people have blind spots. Like the huh. amount of people that haven't seen Salem's Lot is ridiculous. I'm and guilty of I that. Think, yeah, when that, I, I I have my yeah. own. And yeah. I think yeah, I think it's just like okay, you, like you think like okay, there's so many of these. What, what am I going to watch? Okay, I'm going to watch Carrie. Yeah. I'm going to watch The Shining. I'm going to watch it, and then I'm going to call it a day. Yeah, yeah. And Sean, Salem's Lot's a lot more popular than so. so I know. Ball. So so hey, I yeah. I just proved my own. You know? I just disproved my own point. I know what I'm saying is like you know that's the one thing is like I've learned being a you know a fan and even with this podcast and telling people about movies, like it's okay to talk about some popular things. Cause you'd be surprised how many people haven't seen it. You'd be surprised at the films I haven't seen. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's just one of those things. I think silver bullets, one of those like well-known um, movies that people know about, yeah. but honestly, then they, they ask them if they've seen it, they're like, oh, no, I haven't seen that movie. I remember yeah. when Silver Bullet uh, first came out, I'm, my parents went on a date night to go see it. Like, my parents used to be, like, pretty cool back in the mid-80s. Uh, I mean, there was a time where, for Halloween, they dressed up as a priest and a pregnant nun. Something happened after 85. I don't know what happened. So I remember them going to see Silver Bullet. Like they were, I was like, what movie are you seeing? Because I was young and into, into movies. And they were like, well, it's a horror movie. It's Silver Bullet. You can't, you know, you can't watch it because um, it's rated R. And they were, you know, I asked them about the movie and they told me all about the movie, you know. Um, directed by Daniel Atias and, of course, directed uh, or based off the Stephen King novel. This movie, like, starts off, like, as a really good uh, horror flick. It's actually pretty, you know for that time especially pretty terrifying but like right around the 40 minute mark when they're all walking through the forest and it's all foggy there's a moment where it turns into turns a corner i mean i mean gary busey's been in it for a while and he's entertaining as a crazy <laughs> uncle but there's a moment yeah. when like because he is crazy uh this guy has a certain baseball bat and he's they're all looking all these people are out looking for the werewolf 
and he gets dragged into the fog, and all of a sudden you see the werewolf arm come out of the fog with a baseball bat and just beat the shit out of the guy with a baseball bat. And like at that moment, this turns it turns a corner, and it's like campy from there on. Like not strict campy, but it changes tone to a really kind of a really fun uh, monster flick. And uh, I I was kind oh, of like I don't know. I disagree. I, I disagree on that. I don't no. think it turns into anything campy. It, it, it gets. Well, I mean, he he upgrades his little uh, motorized wheel uh, wheelchair. Oh, the it, it just turns into a different film. It, it, it's less well, scary think... and turns more into like just kind of a fun uh, werewolf romp. You know, I mean, it's 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 at that moment all the. I mean, yeah, I guess I guess there stuff. is some darker stuff in the beginning, like yeah. the girl being pregnant and stuff like that. It you know, she finds out she's pregnant. Yeah, I, I mean, but honestly, like. I think it keeps up the momentum and, you know, I think in 1985, if you were in the theater and she's like trying to find like the eye that is injured on and like it passes, you know, the, you know, Everett McGill and it's like, Oh, I I tell you guys, I watched this with an epic moment. Did I I tell you I watched this with my daughter? Oh no. 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 Oh, I'm so excited. To it. Oh man, and especially at that scene, she was like, "Okay, she totally got what was going on." And then they passed him, and she goes, oh, "His eye!" You know, she was like completely into it. Um, and but I will say that this does have probably the cuddliest looking werewolf that I've seen in a movie. He's, He's just cute. so furry. Just want to give him a big hug. But yeah. as soon as you see the full reveal of the, of the werewolf, my daughter kind of laughs. She's like, "Yeah, Dad." She's like, "This isn't scary." But uh, she loved it, though. No, no. I mean, it is kind of a like one of the it. Like I watched this with Willow when she was young, and I actually debated putting this in the the kids yeah. um, startup kit. It was just I I don't know. Like I I think for a little like a little kid, I think this might be a little too much. It's good for like um, ten or eleven. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. transitionary film. Yeah. Like it's it's perfect for that. Like because there's no yeah. there's gore, but there's no there's not a, there's no language. Uh, there's no sex or nudity. It's just there's some werewolf. But the language at times right. is even a little juvenile when yeah. you think about it. Yeah. Like, I'm a big fan of, uh, are you going to make lemonade in your pants? <laughs> like, that is the best way to say, like, don't piss yourself I've ever heard. Um, no, I think that Silver Bullet is, you know, the, you know, like I said, a transitionary film because it does have Gary Busey being a crazy drunk, which <laughs> is just Gary Busey. <laughs> um <laughs> But, you know, you do have something kind of silly with the titular silver bullet, which is the fucking – it's a wheelchair. Like, <laughs> that's kind of ridiculous to think about. Like, if you were like, I'm watching this werewolf movie. It's called Silver Bullet. I'd be like, oh, it's probably about a gun. It's probably about this. It's like, not so souped up in my red wheelchair. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> and also, R.I.P. Corey Haim. He oh, is yeah. so good in this. It's really, really good. Oh, he's great. Um I just find this movie to be really fun. I think that it's a really nice balance of kind of creepy, scary werewolf movies, which I love werewolf films, and I don't think we have nearly enough of them. Mm-hmm. But it's a werewolf movie that isn't afraid to like have fun with kind of the ridiculousness that is the mythos of a werewolf in general, because it's kind of ridiculous. But they have fun with it, and I think that that 
makes it more exciting. And that's probably why it's a blind spot on so many people's Stephen King thing is because when you think of Stephen King, like the immediate thought you have is like, oh my God, like he's so scary, like wrote some of the scariest things. Like this movie terrified me as a child. And we forget the fact that Stephen King has a really wide range of creativity in his storytelling. Like he does have Stand By Me. He does have like Mm -hmm. things that are not Pennywise. And I think that Silver Bullet is one that really, really showcases, like, I can make something really scary, but I can also make something really fun. And I don't know. I think that's probably why it's a blind spot. Yeah. Would you guys consider this to be one of Gary Busey's best roles? Because I forgot how fun he was in this movie for some reason. It's a favorite for me. Yeah. Because Because it's nuts. Like... I don't feel like he's lost his mind completely yet right. and he's like phoning it in. Like he still really cares. He's fucking insane, but he's still trying to give kind of a true to character performance. Yeah. When was the start of his decline? Point break, would you say? Cause he gets, you know, mm. I'm gonna go get a sandwich, meatball sandwich. He hasn't really reached <laughs> that level crazy. He's just crazy, kind of crazy drunk. <laughs> you know, I'm just, uh, he's drunk been, up. um, yeah, I mean, he's been... He's the favorite of mine. I, honestly, I, I can't even think of the last... I mean, I know he was in um, uh, Lost Highway. But, I mean, he's great in um, Surviving the Game. Yeah, it's, I think it's super underrated uh Yeah. He started, I think he started losing his way in the early 90s, I feel. I feel he started getting... I, no, I think he, early 90s he was okay. Like That was the beginning of like Point Break and he was in well, Predator no, I mean, 2. After, after that, you know, after that. You know, I, yeah, I mean, he, he was started, uh, uh, fucking Hider in the house. He plays Mr. Joshua in fucking Lethal Weapon. Lethal, Lethal Weapon's like 87. No, I know, but I'm saying before no, that, yeah, 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 I yeah, think, yeah. Yeah, I think mid-90s maybe he had his little bit of a decline. He I mean, used to, uh, he used to, I, I used to live in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he lived in Broken Arrow, which is like a, kind of suburbs outside of, outside of Tulsa, and people would see him at like his kids, uh, I think he has kids, and they were in, high, in, were in high school at the time, and people would see him at like high school football games, like just chopping on a cigar and like shaking hands, you know? Well, people I said think that meeting gonna... him was, uh, he was just, you know, as crazy as, you know, fun crazy. But I think, yeah. I mean, if we're going to talk about Gary Busey, I think we need to talk about our Lord and Savior, the ginger dead man. Um, Because <laughs> that is like full tilt, insane Gary Busey. Oh my um, God, that movie. I found that in like a dollar bin, <laughs> like used movies at like a Hollywood video. And I was like, <laughs> buying it. I didn't even think twice. If you If you go on, I don't know if it's still there. I hope it's still there. But if you go on IMDb, I don't know if it's like <laughs> somebody changed the bio to the movie or if it's just like the main quote on there. But prominently displayed on the Ginger Dead Man page is like, "Ooh, girl, he going to kill you, bitch. You so dead or something <laughs> ridiculous in all caps. And I don't know if that's been changed yet. But I remember seeing that when I was like trying to write a piece for like Christmas movies and I was Oh shit, Gary Busey! Oh my god, there's What's been a that, bunch man? of gingerbread, da- ginger dead man movies. Yeah, they're up to like um, Holy shit, like he, five, he fights the evil now. bong. Yeah, yeah, oh it's god. full moon, man. 
Yeah, like I said, that's I think that's that's after <laughs> Carrie Busey has just gone full t- crazy. Because <laughs> um, he's in Piranha 3DD, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's I think so. Yeah. yeah, he's in that. Nice. Oh, Gary. Well, uh, Silver Bullet is available on, is streaming in HD. Um, we, saw, I watched it on Vudu. I don't, it's probably streaming on like Amazon Prime or maybe you can rent it through Or Amazon. Shutter or something. I didn't, I didn't yeah. check because. But it's, it's streaming in HD. It looks okay. Research. It looks alright. It's, it's pretty, you know, it's not the greatest HD, uh, thing you'll find. But this is one, I mean, I would love, to see one of these companies, you know, do this, do this one upright. I don't know who owns it. I think that this would, I think this would go well with a, um, like a, cause I don't think enough people would buy it on its own. So I think that like, this Mm. would be a good double feature with one of the other, like forgotten King movies. Um, not, not necessarily like Salem's lot, but something in, in kind of that vein. I think that it would, that would be how I would sell it. Like, yeah. you probably forgot about both of these movies, so Ooh, now you can have with, them both. How about with Graveyard Shift? Okay. I could get behind that. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, that life. but yeah, I you like can, that. uh, I somehow, oh, oh, I know what I did. I had the DVD and I did like a voodoo.com has this thing where if you oh, own the DVDs, digital. you can upgrade it to HD. For like a dollar or two dollars, you know who owns this is Paramount, actually, I believe. Okay, so I went through all my DVDs yeah. one day, all my bare bones DVDs, and I upgraded a whole bunch of shit for a couple of bucks, and I and I just sold the DVDs because I was like, looks better than my DVD, and my DVD had zero special features, so um, that's what I did. So it's probably it's available to buy or rent on there. Anything else about Silver Bullet before we, we move on? No, just watch it. Well worth rediscovering. Mm-hmm. For yeah, sure. absolutely. I, watch I, that shit. I forgot. I mean, I, I don't know. It's weird when you read it when you rewatch a movie because I was always kind of like, eh, it's okay. And this time around, I it, maybe it was watching it with my daughter, but I, it was almost like seeing it with new eyes because you, you kind of start thinking about what well, was my daughter thinking. Um, but man, I had a fucking blast rewatching it this time. Yeah, and I think I really do think it's. Good. It's that distancing that you have is like when this came out, I think everyone was like, Stephen King, scariest writer alive. And like this movie, yeah, it's kind of scary, but it's more fun than it is anything. So yeah. people probably just didn't get it. So letting the time pass and then revisiting it, that's, I think that's some of the smartest things to do with movies like this. Anything that isn't, you know, fully scary, like let some time pass, give it a revisit, and then look at it from another perspective of like, I just want to have fun, and you will, and it'll be yeah. a blast. So. Except Yay. the Langoliers. You could skip that. <laughs> it's so long. Uh, it's so long. Also, what's the deal with Stephen King loving kids with handicaps? Like, there's not, I'm not, there's nothing against that, but you just mentioned the Langoliers were like, she's <laughs> blind, and it's like, okay. Well, we didn't touch on that. We didn't touch on that with Silver Bullet. I think this is a great, a great lead character who, you know, who is bound to a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's just, and it's not even a really big deal. Like, there's no, like, hey, look at me. Look how handicapped I am. You know, it's, he, the, he, he's Corey not Haynes Franklin character. in Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> right. Uh, he, he just handles shit. 
You know, he's a go. He's, he just well, he gets made fun of. He gets made fun I'm of. I'm supposed to him. go easy on him because he's a cripple. Right, but him as a character, though, he doesn't let that. Yeah. You know, get in the way at all. I mean, he souped up his wheelchair. His crazy Gary Busey uncle gives him this freaking motorcycle, basically. Uh, yeah, doesn't do like sixty miles legal. an hour. Yeah, this thing's not street legal, folks. <laughs> he doesn't even have a seatbelt in that thing. But hey, it has it has a couple flags. It has those flags. Uh, but, um, but he doesn't let that limit him at all. And that's, and I think that's great how empowered he is as a character. And, um, I, I don't know, like, I thought it was really, really fun to see him just handle, handle his business and make no excuses at all. So real strong kid character in this. And I, I, that's why I was like, I love that I was able to watch it with my, with my kid. Cause you know, um, I was just surprised. I never, I mean, being a parent, you see movies and a different light, I guess. And I never even, cause the last time I saw this movie, I didn't have kids. So anyway, all right, moving along. Let's jump into VHS. Oh my God. The key. Well, here we are at last. Right where we ought to be. Video. Oh my God. All right, so this week we're talking about a 1990 film starring Jeff Goldblum that I feel like one of you brought, has, have brought up before, um, but this movie is called Mr. Frost. Who is Mr. Frost? No one has been able to turn up the slightest clue regarding Frost's identity. There's no official trace of him anywhere. What has he done? And in two years, he hasn't uttered a single word? Frost is not mentally ill, Dr. Day. He has no place in your hospital. What does he want with us? Oh, in fact, who are you? I'm the Gaga Man. Boo. (laughs) He spoke to you. I'm not afraid of him. It used to be simple. Good on one hand, evil on the other. There was a struggle. But then you came along, the scientists, the geniuses. What do you want from us? What do you want from me? I want, I must, reveal to the world your impotence in the presence of the age-old power of the wild side. This was out on on VHS. Um, Brought up by me? Maybe it's brought up by you. I remember, like, when you said, when you mentioned this movie, I had known it from somewhere. I don't know if, uh, it, it must have come up in co- casual conversation at some point, either on the show this or This is just one that I've been bullshit. trying to track down forever because Jeff Goldblum. And. It's a rare case. Spoiler alert, I still have it. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to, I was trying to find, I was like, every time we do these VHS movies, I try to find any legalish way of seeing the film. Um, so I always check YouTube first. There's a shit ton of clips on here. So I watched the trailer. I watched a whole bunch of clips. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have a good idea of what it's about. And I really fucking want to no, see it don't. so bad now. I, no, I want to see it so no bad idea. because I've seen all this. Uh, and then I, oh. you know, you tried it, trying to find this, um, anywhere I could. And I, I couldn't, um, unfortunately in time, in time to, by the time we got around to talking about this, it's hard to find, and someone needs to fi- someone needs to release this, like legit. 
Um, too legit. Because once I start kind of Googling, you can start finding really re- crazy sites and crazy links, then I kind of just be like, I don't really want, you know, porn being automatically downloaded on my computer through some spyware. <laughs> Why? 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 Well, yeah, that, I mean, the, the kind of, the, the kind of porn the that you would not want on your hard drive, okay? I always get weird. Once you kind of Google, there's a shadowy part of the internet trying to find films that I just don't even want to try. Even if it's like a, a long lost film that needs to be rediscovered, I kind of start getting scared. So I didn't, mm. I didn't go into the seedy parts of the internet, uh, to view this. But, uh, Brad, you brought this movie up. So please, um, let us, let us know what this is about. And, uh, I've never seen it. Jeff Goldblum. I couldn't find it. And his dark locks of hair. Why? I couldn't, I couldn't find it. Shut up. I didn't look for it. Shut up. Um, Mr. Frost is good. <laughs> and, and, um, my mother actually is a huge fan of this movie. And that's how I first saw it. Um, when I was younger, um, wasn't probably too much into it because it's, you know, it's a slower paced horror film. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a slow burn, a big slow burn. Um, and I remember it being one of those rare tapes. Um, I, I found, I found one at, you know, a garage sale or somewhere and I, I picked it up and I was actually in, um, New York one time walking, uh, walking the streets, looking at the, the peddlers and, you know, the people selling on the stuff on the side of the, uh, road. And I was actually writing a script in New York, um, with, uh, Josh Johnson, director of, uh, rewind this and one of the dudes at, um, Intervision Severin, um, we were writing a script together and I mean, we would just go out and get like, you know, street food and stuff. Cause that's way better than any restaurant in, uh, New York. Um, we found like a pile of VHS tapes and Mr. Frost was in there and he got super excited cause it is a rare <laughs> tape to find. Um, so it's, it's, it, it's kind of hard to find. I mean, he, he's a big VHS collector and he didn't even have it. So if you ever find a Mr. Frost tape, you're good, but cause it's, uh, it's hard to find. Now, the one thing about this film, it's shot in really, really low light. Um, so it's even the tape like is super, super dark. Huh. Um, and fucking Goldblum's hair looks like a helmet. <laughs> um, but it's about a, uh, I mean, it's, it, it, this is the first like five minutes of the film, uh, a, a police officer who is kind of the lead, uh, police officer in, um, or a detective, really. He's, uh, goes up to, um, we only know him as Mr. Frost. Um, goes up to Mr. Frost. He's like doing some, you know, fucking gardening or something. And, um, like he, he questions Mr. Frost about this missing, missing person, this dead body. And, uh, Mr. Frost just turns around and he says, yeah, he's like, I got, you know, plenty of bodies buried in here. You know, I've been killing people. There's 24 bodies. And the detective's like, what? Like, why would you admit that? And they uh, incarcerate him, put him in a sane asylum immediately. Uh, and he doesn't talk after that. After he admits to the crimes that he's committed, um, they he does not speak to anybody. And then he's introduced to this um, uh, psychologist, doctor, 
at, at the asylum to, 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 you know, speak with him and, you know, trying to get to the bottom of who this guy is. And he is, he only speaks to her. He doesn't speak to anybody else. He just speaks to her. And he, he claims that he is, um, Lucifer. And, uh, he's here, um, to create chaos. Um, so, I mean, the whole, that's kind of the beginning of the film. The, the whole kind of synopsis is that he wants her to kill him. That's the end goal, uh, of the film. It's really wild. It's really crazy, um, and it's it's one of those films that you watch and you're like, man, this is a fucking clever fucking horror film. Like, this is really fucking good. Um, so it's always kind of uh, – this movie's always stuck out mainly because my mom was a big fan. And that's how I originally saw it, um, you know, and then years later, you know, years and years later when I was collecting tapes, I came across it. I was like, oh, oh shit, Mr. Frost, my mom really liked this. And I, you know, rewatched it. And I really liked it then, and I like it even more now. It's one of those ones that I revisit periodically. My tape is so fucked up in the first, like, five minutes, though. It sucks. Um, I watched it quite a few times. Um, just because it's, it's up, up my alley. You put anything with fucking aliens, a cult, or Satan – I'm usually a hundred percent on board. That's like my three, three favorite things. Um, and I love, and you know, fucking Jeff Goldblum. Like, I mean, we didn't get too many movies of Jeff Goldblum where he like, but he was in, you know, horror films, uh, to start, you know, um, he was in, in a few horror films actually. Now that I think about it, I mean, obviously he's in the fly. He's in Mr. Frost. I know that he's in, um, invasion of bystanders. Uh, Invasion of the Body Centers, he's in um, uh, The Sentinel. Uh, he, he plays the photographer in The Sentinel. Um, Why do you so think like, Mr. Frost is so hard to find? Like, especially given that a lot of... He was a Fr- like- French-made... Is French, uh, French-made, French-produced, released on gotcha. a label that wasn't... Uh, Amer- uh, it was an American label, but it was very small, yeah. looking at foreign cinemas called like SRS it looks like international only, or something. Yeah. It only has one DVD release and it's a Dutch DVD release. And it's probably just a VHS rip. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was in, um, shit. What was that other, uh, hideaway where he is really fucking good here. He plays a uh, fucking lunatic. Um, but yeah, he was in, you know, these, these horror films, uh, when he was younger. So it was like really cool that he, I mean, and the thing is what I love about Jeff Goldblum is just the way he uh, speaks, the way he carries himself. Um, I mean, I'm mesmerized by when he takes Laura Dern's hand and he fucking talks about chaos theory and fucking Jurassic Park. Like, I mean, I want to be Laura Dern's hand so bad. Um, but that's kind of like how Mr. Frost is because it's a very, 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 very talky movie. Yeah. Well, I, I Jeff can listen Gold to Jeff talk Goldblum more than talk I do. Anytime. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just it's it's amazing because it's just it's just him, you know. And and, and he's very conniving. He's very um, uh, he's very manipulative. He's he's just he's just really good does, in this role. Does he and do he, like? Does he do kind of the soft like stutters, half smile, or you know? No. No, Maybe no, he doesn't one? do the jo- the classic Jeff Goldblum. Okay. He's he's very because um, he's not because Jeff Goldblum does that like that's a Jeff Goldblum thing when right. he's trying to be kind thing. of 
Yeah, I mean, it's like John Cusack does that, does that too, you know? Right. John Cusack um, does the eye wiggle. Have you noticed that? When he gets intense and his eyes freaking like wiggle back and forth. Have you guys noticed that? No, now? but. That's a, that's a, I'm actually starting to sound like John Cusack saying this, but he, he does, he does the pause and then he talks really fast and pauses and then stutters and then repeats himself a couple times. Right. It's John Cusack. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum does the exact same thing. Um, but no, this is played very straight. There's okay. no, there's no fucking around. Like ah. everything, everything's premeditated in this film. Everything is planned. Like so I'm saying, it's one of those films where it's just it's extremely well written it's extremely well paced um it doesn't fuck around it doesn't waste any any time at all it doesn't waste any scenes like every fragment of the film has a purpose and that's why that's why I said it's clever because a lot of horror films don't do that or you know this would even probably be more of a thriller um yeah. And it's just like, I mean, it's a really fucking good episode of like the X-Files or something. That's, that's kind of what it feels like. It's very X-Filey. Like, you know, you're waiting for Moeller, you know, to pop in and Scully and <laughs> just start investigating this shit. Yeah, this, um, was, uh, this that, was out in 1990. This is after like Earth Girls Are Easy and after The Fly. So he was a so kind of a big, getting to be a pretty big star by then. But this was still, I guess... Can, would we consider early Jeff Goldblum, I guess, right? I mean, BJ, what do you, I know a lot of women love Jeff Goldblum, and even now, I he's do. like aged like a fine wine. Uh, what is it? He's so grossly sexy now that he's like a silver <laughs> fox. Oh my God. Um, I think, I think the appeal for me personally of Jeff Goldblum is <sighs> he has this like uncanny ability to be not only just filled with just confident swagger, but also look like weirdly vulnerable, like mm. at the exact same time. Like, I don't understand how it works, but you know, the, the absolute best way to describe it is him in Jurassic Park where he's, you know, this really intelligent guy. He's got like the open black shirt and like the tinted sunglasses. God, and, he's sex on You know, stick. everything. Everything about his body just like oozes sex appeal, but at the same time, he's a total fucking dork. Like everything that he says is the nerdiest yeah. shit you've ever heard. But you're just like, oh my god, my basement's flooded. Like you're so hot and so nerdy at the same time. And I think that's he is kind of the epitome of like when girls are like, I like nerdy guys, and it's like, no, you don't like mouth breathers with zits. You like sexy guys with glasses that are smart. Jeff Goldblum right. is that guy. And like, right. as he's gotten older, he just has kind of that like silver Fox thing going on now, especially like it sounds yeah, really bad, but he, coming, <laughs> he coming from a, a very, very straight guy. He plays like, he's a good looking dude right now. Like he's, he's he, he played, like, um, that one of the gay dads of Leah Michelle's character on Glee. So I don't know, like that confused the shit out of like my sexuality <laughs> because it's, it's Jeff Goldblum, like Silver Fox style, being a gay man talking yeah. about like why that like they adopted this girl in particular and why they like encouraged her to listen to Barbara Streisand. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm so confused right now. I'm so turned <laughs> on. Like this is so weird. Um, well, what's great? No, about, I think. Like, yeah, sorry, well, go ahead. No, what's great about him is like even if you look back all the way back to The Fly, like even as he's turning into this monster. And is just a disgusting creature. Like it's Gina Davis, so it's Gina Davis, right? About him. Like Gina yeah. Davis is still like in love with him, and you still like f- have feelings as a viewer for this character. Like 
in oh, any yeah, other movie, they totally, would make they'd make him a monster. Totally see him. And yeah, it's crazy. Like even like Jeff Goldblum will come through, can come through this hideous makeup, and you still like have this compassion towards his character. Yeah, he just oozes heart, like with everything he does, even when he's you know supposed to be like a bad guy or like a he's smart sweet. ass. He, he, yes, he's just so sincere. And, like, you know, you bring up The Fly especially. Like, that's an, a really interesting movie because of who you're supposed to, like, empathize with switches in that movie. Mm-hmm. And the second it starts turning into, like, Gina Davis's movie about dealing with all of this, like, you you still can't help but, like, love him. Yeah. Because it's like, he, you know, he didn't mean for any of this to happen. And, yeah, he's gross. But, like, you know, it's very much beauty in the eye of the beholder kind of thing because he's he's still the same person and he's still, like, just wonderful. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I love Jeff Goldblum. Oh, I love Jeff him Goldblum. so much. <laughs> he the best. I mean, let, let's just talk about in like how. I mean, I think maybe at the time when I was little, because I was you know, uh, you know, like ten when Jurassic Park came out. But watching Jurassic Park over and over and over, um, you know, I think it's a, one of the best summer blockbuster movies ever made. But oh god, yeah. <laughs> after his leg gets hurt and they post him up. Like and he's resting, but in that one <laughs> that shot where he's like, <laughs> he's got his shirt open, and he's like leaning back, like this dude's supposed to have like a fucking broken leg and in pain, and he's just looking like just sexy as fuck, just sitting there in Jurassic Park, like I don't give a fuck about these dinosaurs right now. <laughs> um, and then just that one shot just cracks me up, man. Have you seen the GIF of uh, it's him? <laughs> The laying in kind of the uh, the sexy pose, <laughs> and then uh, what's his nuts is um, how it's they take the scene from when he's listening to yes the, oh uh, Sam Neil yeah the, thank you it is Sam Neil yeah. like That's laying on him just listening to him breathe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god, I lose it every time. It's so funny. So great. Um, I can, I can yeah. watch that. Over so and over moral of the story: we all need. To see Mr. Frost, and somebody needs to release that so we can all see it. And we know some Jeff of you Goldblum distributors is Bay. Listen to the show, Arrow, uh, Vinegar Center, <laughs> for sure. We know you guys do. I know Severin sometimes checks checks out the show. Uh, please, I mean, we'll help try to find the elements. We'll do whatever we can. Uh, drop us a line. Read me yeah, at thescreamcast.com. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I hope, I hope it does because you know it's a, you know it's a horror film too. You know, it's and it's, I mean, Jeff Goldblum gets like anytime Jeff Goldblum's in anything, it has people's attention, males, females. It's, oh God, yeah, it's Jeff Goldblum. He needs he's, to be preserved. He's a, yeah, he's a really well known and very well liked actor. Yeah, and so as soon as Jeff Goldblum, yeah, and it's one of those films, and now you have a horror film, like the horror community is going to be you know, really into it. It's a thriller, you know, uh, and Jeff Goldblum is probably, and I've seen a lot of Jeff Goldblum movies and I'm a big fan. This is by far one of his best roles ever. I like he's so funny. A, uh, a sweater out of his long, dark hair in this film. Whoa. Whoa. Sean. <laughs> well, I All think right. that it, it also would make sense too, because, Oh God, what is that movie? Is it let us pray? Um, where it's the, the dude... church? No, shit, the it's not police that one. station Fuck. movie? Yes, the police station movie. Yeah. Uh, that one. Like, what are you bringing that, that movie shit. up for? Well, I'm bringing that up because you made the comment about like how it's like, 
I'm Satan, I'm here to create chaos, like, I want you to kill me kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, let us pray. Has kind of, like, thank you, that is what it's called. Jesus. My brain forgot how to speak English and how to name movies. Um, But I think given, like, how successful that was with people finding it and loving it, I think this would be, like, a really good, like, hey, did you like this movie? If so, you'll love this. Yeah. So. I need to watch Let Us Pray. That, uh. I send somebody to watch pilot. Is that so. what it's called, Brad? Or yeah, let us pray. P R A Y. Um, I like yes. that the main character, Liam Cunningham, yeah, the actor. The, I like him a lot. It's the, um, Irish. Yeah, the dude from Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yes. All right, I, we need, we I need really to like wrap that. we need anyway. to wrap up here. Um, so everyone, Damn. flood That's your favorite label with requests for Mr. No. Frost. No, don't do that because people a say good Scream Factory. Oh shit. Yeah, not not Screen Factory. Um, we just want Arrow to do it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, Arrow, Arrow please. Um, we uh, we we will even pay for it. I mean, you know, not 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 the. We won't pay for the distribution. I mean, we, we'll 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 I mean, buy, I'll buy we'll it buy when it. you produce, buy the when you put it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Arrow is genius that they uh when they give out their press copies that they that they're BDRs because i think i feel like they uh will like people who love film in general love the films will accept those but the people that want to just get free shit um by being a blogger like they won't because oh, it's not in my slipcase or package so it's genius i think it's suck. genius that they do the check discs uh arrow um because i I buy every single release I want, and then we cover it on the show. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, well, they, they do BDRs, but they also have those generic covers. It's just a yeah. white cover. It's, no, a, yeah. it's, it's a test disc. It's a it's a Q it's a QC yep um, disc. That's yeah. What it I, I think I and I think that Arrow gets coverage from people that legitimately want to talk about the film and love the films and love the company, and they're not just trying to get a freebie. I think it's great. That's yep. why you don't see a I lot agree. of people suck on their dick. Exactly. Like some, like some other ones. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. It's time to wrap up. Uh, you can check us out over at thescreamcast.com. We are attempting to do, to put together a, uh, live episode this, this week. Um, so stay tuned to our Twitter feed for that scream underscore cast. Uh, we'll record it live. We'll do a Google Hangout YouTube thing and then release the podcast like the following week. But if you want to participate in the live thing, uh, just, you know, follow us and, and we'll give you all the details. And, uh, I hope it works out. It's going to be, I have never done a live thing before. Um, if you have experience with that, hit me up <laughs> and, uh, give me some tips. But I uh, will be doing that. And, uh, please check out our sponsors. Wanna, give them some love. Want to tell them what we're doing? So way people get prepped. Uh, oh well, I mean, we're gonna hopefully if it all works out with the Google Hangouts thing, uh, we basically want to hear from you about movies that you've discovered, some of your favorite movies that you've discovered by listening to our podcast. It's our anniversary episode. Oh yeah, uh, three years. Uh-huh. There you go. My gosh, you. Were, this is like you, like just telling a synopsis of a movie. I'm horrible at this. I'm horrible at, uh, <laughs> at, at plugging sponsors, and I'm horrible at keeping track of anniversaries. Uh, except for my wedding anniversary, I, I, you know, that I have to keep on, keep tabs on, but, uh, any, anything like, so anyways, we're having an anniversary episode this week. (laughs) 
We want our listeners to tune in. Uh, <laughs> tuning in, you have, you must give us, you must give us uh, a film that we have talked about on the show that has quickly became a favorite, all time favorite of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be discussing our top ten films of all time, just something to talk about, and you can jump in at any time um, and hit us up on. Twitter or Facebook if you want to join so that way we can kind of get a list and an idea maybe even give some times uh, for you because mm-hmm. we don't want you know, 30 people on a call of course um, so again just kind of set it up and you know be on the show for five minutes but we want to hear you know this is your chance to be on the show because we appreciate our fans and all the shit so awesome alright and uh, like I said give give our sponsors some love the screamcast.com slash sponsors um, a lot of new arrow shit is coming out and grindhouse video Dot com is getting stocked up, so get your pre-orders in for uh, for all this new, all this new stuff that's coming out. Um, all right, and uh, all, all the other, all the other sponsors you can find them on the website. Um, that's it for this week's show. <laughs> Talk to you guys next See time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Uh, oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. See, I'm horrible at this uh, plugging stuff. I'm like, Adam. you're really good. You're good. You're good. Oh shit.